Today's episode of The Doctor's Companion is brought to you by InStockTrades.com and DCBService.com. another episode of the doctor's companion this is episode 41 i'm scott and with me i have matt once again hey guys how you how you doing how's it going and and, uh yeah we're 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 talking about the paul mcgann movie the tv movie oh yeah the fox tv movie. oh yeah we are um yeah so this is uh this 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 is gonna be a fun one be prepared guys (laughs) uh i expect lots of laughter on your end maybe maybe not don't don't quote us on that don't quote us on that don't quote us on that (laughs) Somebody's gonna be like, "There was no laughter," and how dare you for claiming that? <laughs> yeah, well, you big-headed yeah. jerks. Um, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Give us a one-star review on iTunes. Don't don't do that, guys. Don't ever do that. Please don't do that. Please. <laughs> if you do, if you're gonna do that, just email us first, and then we'll fix it. <laughs> Whatever it is. Yeah, <laughs> that's. That's our promise to you. Uh, and you can email us at tdcageekshow.us. Uh, also, we're from the website Geek Show Entertainment, where we like geeky stuff, and occasionally we talk about geeky stuff, like Doctor Who on podcasts like this one. Geekshowentertainment.com is a podcast network that has new episodes released every week for shows that include The Doctor's Companion, as well as Geekin, our regular entertainment news and discussion podcast, Have You Met Ted, a, uh, a runaway hit of a How I Met Your Mother podcast. Runaway hit. Um, hmm. yeah, it's, it's getting crazy numbers. I kind of blew my That's mind. Good. Yeah. Uh, so apparently that was, that was a fan base that needed a podcast bad because, uh, yeah, that show's doing really well. Um, Queen Witch, awesome. which is a patio book written by Nick Jimenez. And if you're not listening, you should be because it's a lot of fun. Uh, a couple of geeks, which is about married couple, married couple, Angela and Billy, and they take on, um, a variety of geeky topics every week, uh, and it's sort of a you know just an open discussion type of type of show. Um, so check them out, and then uh, Movie Night at Geek Show, which is uh, like a movie club podcast that I do with John Pavlich and Nick Jimenez. Uh, every week we talk about a different movie. Last week we talked about Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, which was our best episode yet. It was a phenomenal episode. Um, so go check oh, that I can't out. Wait to listen. I've actually I have never seen Eternal Sunshine, and like. I've been wanting to watch it, and so, like, it's an excuse for me to watch it, so I think I'm watching it, like, tonight or tomorrow night. Oh, fantastic. Oh, fan! Oh, I can't wait to hear what... That's my favorite movie of all time, so... Oh, okay. Well, there you go. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah, that, there, that, and then this week, uh, this month, actually, um... Well, the month of March. I guess it's not March yet, but uh, starting this week, we're doing uh, Best Picture Month. So we're each pick- picking a film that has won Best Picture in the past, and uh, my pick was Woody Allen's Annie Hall. Um, oh my god! Which so good. Which I've never seen, and is why oh, I picked so it. Oh, so good! Yeah. Top five movie for me. All right. Top five movie. For so me. that was that was my pick. So I'm going to be uh, watching that for the first time this week. Um, I got it from Netflix, so I'm looking forward to it. Um. 
I swear we're a Doctor Who podcast. We're getting there, guys. Uh, if you've yeah, never listened to the show, if you've never listened to the show, you're probably like, um, when are you talking about Doctor Who? Uh, anyway. I and, want the TARDIS to materialize already. Come on. Let's go. <laughs> and finally, um, our newest podcast is Geek Show Soundcheck, which is a music podcast that I'll be doing with John Pavlich, uh, and that premieres this week. So uh, take look out for that. It's on, up on iTunes actually currently um, because we I like uh, back-posted a couple of episodes that we did because it's sort of a spin-off show from uh, Geek and Extra. Uh, so yeah, I have those two episodes that we did um, that spun off into the regular show uh, in the feed now, so it's up on iTunes and everything. So you can subscribe to the show now, and we just we we pick some uh, you know music that we've been listening to lately, and we play it a bit from the from that song or whatever from the album and then uh, we talk about it so that's that's the show and it's it's a lot of fun to do it's a lot more work I put a lot more work into that show than any other show that I do here um, as mm-hmm. far as like uh, research and the time it takes to edit is a lot longer but it's uh, it's yeah, worth yeah. it and it's it's a lot of fun and from what I'm hearing from people who uh, liked the uh, Geekin episodes the soundcheck episodes um, they liked it a lot so you know Go check that out if you guys like music at all or or, or are interested in uh, lis- listening to music that you might not have ever heard of before. So, um, You can listen to all of those podcasts by streaming them on the website or subscribing to the shows on iTunes. Also, you can go to the website and join our community by commenting on episodes or articles that we regularly post on the site. And if you've listened to any of our shows and you like what you hear, even if you don't, help us out by leaving an iTunes review. iTunes reviews are the best way for people to find our shows and decide if they might be worth listening to. You can also let us know how we're doing with comments, concerns, and suggestions by emailing the show at tdc at geekshow.us. That's tdc as in the Doctor's Companion. So, all right. Background and significance. There's a lot of this, so we're gonna be yeah. we're probably gonna be talking about because uh, we're talking uh, what was it eight eight years nine years, uh, 1989 to 1996, so like seven years. Seven years, seven years. Okay, so so it yeah. took so we got seven years of information dump, um, but it's it's mm-hmm. fascinating stuff. So listen up. Mm-hmm. Um. Well. Okay. So so basically, Doctor Who was canceled in 1999. Moment of silence for Doctor Who. Um. Uh. Actually, before we do that, um, I just wanted to mention really quick, uh, for those who didn't hear, and really honestly, if you're a Doctor Who fan, you must have heard, but uh, uh, last week after we posted the show, uh, we heard that uh, Nicholas Courtney made a made a, a, a tragic passing, um, long battle of cancer, he, he uh, finally succumbed, I guess, and uh, passed away last, last week, which was a, you know, it was a huge loss, I was pretty upset, um, <laughs> between that and Dwayne McDuffie, it was pretty sad, but I, I just wanted to uh, make a nice shout out to him, because uh, we talked about a story of his, one of my favorite stories of his, uh, just just last week, the timing really couldn't have been better. But, was that his uh, last, was, was... Uh, was that his last Doctor Who episode? Uh yeah on 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 screen he did uh Sarah Jane after that like a couple right of right right Sarah Jane. but that's that wasn't um, Doctor Who so that was his last Doctor yeah, yeah, Who yeah. but it was his last Doctor Who story and it was a really you know we talked about it last week really great story for him to go out on but uh, uh I just I just wanted to mention last week that uh you know it was a very sad passing uh probably the first major Doctor Who passing since I've gotten into the show uh so I I felt it pretty bad uh, <laughs> yeah I just wanted I just wanted to say uh you know like kind of like a, a quote unquote shout out to that. Uh, you know, our, our condolences and thoughts to his family, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. He was, uh, that, you know, I, I've just started this, but I've seen, you know, five or six uh, Brigadier episodes, and um, mm-hmm. yeah, it's 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 crazy. Like, when I heard that, like, mm-hmm. it affected me, and I wasn't, 
I just wasn't expecting it. Like, it came out of nowhere. And then you're right. Like, the timing of it was just crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it was it was it was pretty weird. Like I, I think my my girlfriend was doing the blog last week and she was talking about Battlefield and she finished watching part four and was writing the write up for part four and like I I get an, I get a text message from her basically saying I can't work on this anymore because Nic- Nicholas Courtney just died. Uh, so she gave a really nice write up on on the blog for last week. Um, so it was it was you know it was pretty affecting to all of us um, who who kind of knew him and really loved the character and you know you're right he's one of those characters who like has been around since you know the season six of the show and was you know made intermittent appearances for like 20 years and you can't really you can't swing a Pertwee story without hitting a brigadier story and like he even appeared with like Tom Baker and and uh, Davison. He appeared in two Davison stories um, in really great roles as the Brigadier and then Battlefield. Like it's it, his his contribution is really strong and he will totally be missed. I really want to see a Davison Brigadier story now. Oh, Modern Undead. Not only not only is that like. Modern Undead, not counting the five doctors because he's really with um, Patrick Troughton for all of that, and that story has its own problems. But um, basically, the Modern and Modern Undead becomes is this really phenomenal uh, Brigadier story with the Fifth Doctor, and I don't want to say why, but it's it's pretty fantastic. Awesome. Um, so we'll get to that eventually. Um, so yeah, so so that's our that's our uh, at least my thoughts on Nick Courtney's and yours too. Um, so yeah, back into a much more uplifting place. Um, Doctor Who <laughs> goes off the air in 1989. And a much and, more um, uplifting news: Doctor Who's canceled in 1989. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, <laughs> un- the unfortunate cancellation of Doctor Who in uh, 1989. Mostly um, due, it eventually mostly due back. to the fact that that uh, Nathan Turner, like, he just couldn't change the show because he was still just him. Yeah. So they yeah, kept wanting him yeah, to change it, it, but he was like, "Well, I'm I'm still just me, so I'm just gonna keep doing mm-hmm. what I do." And yeah, mm-hmm. because and there was also there was also like people at the BBC who were like out to like literally had their sights on the show. Like Michael Grade, like was hunting the show down for like six, seven, eight, nine years. So like you know, it's amazing that it lasted up to 1989 and it gave us some really great stories in the in its final years. Uh, but it was canceled, and then we get what what many fans call the wilderness years, which I think is a funny term for it. Um, <laughs> and and uh, you know there are a lot all these spinoffs and the fan community is pretty popular but there are all these people who want a, a revival of it and um, there's a there's a lot of really interesting um, background to go I won't go into all the details because holy goodness there's you know like seven years of like backroom politics and like mm-hmm. people they wanted on the show but like they 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 had all these ideas to bring back a a, a movie and uh, the show as like a new series that was going to be on. Uh, American television and the the show eventually moved to Fox and uh, they had different producers like uh, guy, I forget the guy's first name but his last name was Siegel and he was um I feel so unprepared. Um, <laughs> he he was he was trying to get the the show back up and running and and it, the script eventually went to uh, oh Philip Siegel yeah Philip Siegel uh, Philip Siegel and then they hired it out to like this writer named Matthew Jacobs but it was also like there are all these crazy other stories I know you looked into it last night yeah it's um, it's fascinating stuff like Philip, Philip Siegel mm-hmm. obviously loves the Doctor but I feel like um, and, and loves Doctor Who but I, I feel like he loves it for the wrong reasons and mm-hmm. I, I I just uh, he's uh, no matter how hard he tries like he's he's still very American um, and mm-hmm. and and 
So I think that's ultimately like a lot of the things that that are wrong with this TV movie. Um, yeah. <laughs> but but yeah, he getting, he just getting... he he really like he was working with uh, Amblin Entertainment and uh, which is Steven was Steven Spielberg's company. This is like his company pre DreamWorks, and uh, you know he kept throwing around like throwing around Steven Spielberg's name to the point that. Steven Spielberg actually started to get annoyed with it because he really mm-hmm. had nothing to do with it. Like it was just mm-hmm. this guy, Philip Siegel, worked for Amblin Entertainment, was trying to get the rights to Doctor Who, so to, to do an American series or a film or a feature film, one or the other. And they really wanted a series, but you know, I think BBC wanted a movie, he wanted a series. And, and like, so there was a constant battle between that. And then, ironically enough, it was the BBC who threw a fit when Fox had no interest in a series, and they made them mm-hmm. add the the fact that the movie, the, the, the uh, TV movie was a backdoor pilot to a TV series. Um, mm-hmm. They made that, made, BBC made Fox add that to the contract. So, like, mm-hmm. I just, I, I think that's, that's kind of ironic that they didn't want a TV series, and then all of a sudden they did. Um, mm-hmm. but, but yeah, it's, it's, uh, he, he just, he just basically annoyed BBC to no end saying like, you know, me and Steven, me and Steven, me and Steven. And it's like, no, he, Steven Spielberg actually had nothing to do with it. And finally they, they made this, they wrote this script for this film that was a complete reboot, which I think I have a theory that that, that's a big reason why Paul McGann got hired other than like obvious, like crazy charisma and talent and that amazing voice of his, um, Mm -hmm. beyond that, I, he has a very, uh, close resemblance to what could be William Hartnell, like at his age. Oh yeah. Um, and like to the point where you could believe that he was a young version of William Hartnell. And so I think that that's a big reason why he was cast, um, mm-hmm. at, in the film, and that's the thing is he was cast in the feature film first, which then morphed into the Fox TV movie. Um, but that feature mm-hmm. film had nothing to do with the the Fox TV movie because it uh it was a complete reboot, and it was about the Doctor stealing a TARDIS, escaping Gallifrey with his grandson, and uh going to find his father, and then like mm-hmm. he ends up going to to uh, 1944 London like during the Blitz and. Mm-hmm. Um, trying to find his father, who is trying to assassinate Hitler. Um, yeah, that was that was that movie. Uh, <laughs> Which can you imagine? Like, can you imagine? Not only that, like, I don't remember. I don't know if this was the point where like his father was named Ulysses. Was his father named Ulysses at this point? Maybe. Uh, I don't know. I, they didn't mention that, but. Well, at, at some point, his father's the father was named Ulysses, which is. All right, and then, and then the doctor's grandfather was going to be like Cardinal Barusa, who you might know from other stories um, throughout the classic run, which doesn't make any sense. Um, and then like the master and the doctor were going to be like half brothers or something, which which have been just lovely. Um, although better if better than the doctor being the ego and the master being it, but that's a different discussion. Um, but it's just all these really strange choices mm-hmm. that they made that didn't really make much sense. And we're pretty far away from the original vision of the show. Right. But essentially what happened was Steven Spielberg got his hold of the script, read it, hated it, and said, uh, Amblin's not going to have anything to do with this. I'm not going to have anything to do with this. Stop telling people that this has anything to do with us. We're off the project completely. And so mm-hmm. then he, uh, Philip Siegel, was like, uh, okay, well, what do I do now? And he so he went to Fox, who had 
some interest because the guy that was the head of TV movies, which at the time Fox Network was doing tons of TV movies, like um, mm-hmm. this was the guy that was responsible for Generation X, if you guys ever saw that, mm-hmm. that came out around the same time, as well as like mm-hmm. the Munsters movie um, with the with the <laughs> with the grandpa from Gilmore Girls um, as uh, as 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 the you know. Uh, is it, what what is the main Munster's name? Um, uh, Herman. Herman. Munster, Herman Munster. Yeah. yeah. Um, Before my time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, so <laughs> yeah, like Fox had a ton of those TV movies as well as like original stuff as well. But um, he was the head of TV movies, which was a big deal for Fox Network at the time. And he was British and was well, he he wanted to do the do the movie. And not only did he want to do it, like he didn't want. This wasn't a script commitment. Like, Philip Siegel went into this meeting with this guy. They reminisced about Doctor Who for, like, 20 minutes. And then he was just like, all right, let's do this movie. And he's like, well, we don't even have a script yet. He's like, yeah, whatever. We'll get a script. We're doing it. <sighs> and uh, and that, that was that. And and so, like, they went and they got, they got a new writer. And this guy um, conceived this. And basically what happened, what, what the mess of the Doctor Who TV movie really comes down to is the fact that this writer was trying to make this this master story um, with mm-hmm. notes from Fox the Network, Universal Pictures, BBC TV, and BBC Worldwide. All had four yeah. separate sets of notes. And mm-hmm. he had to appease all of them. Yep. And then that's what happened. So mm-hmm. that's where we're at. And here's the worst part, is that um, they... they Sylvester McCoy being in this film is completely thanks to Philip Philip Siegel. Like, Mm -hmm. BBC didn't want to have anything to do with Sylvester McCoy because Sylvester McCoy, in their opinion, was the reason the show was awful at the end. Like, the ratings Mm -hmm. and everything. Mm -hmm. They blamed him. So the only reason that he got to be in the film at all was one of the notes was you need to cut down almost all of his dialogue, which is why Sylvester McCoy doesn't talk at all in the beginning of the mm-hmm. film. Like, he has, like, yeah. three lines, and that's it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's why. Yeah. It's 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 a mess, is what it is. Like, and it's not, you know, it's... I mean, I... I we were talking a little bit before the show, but, like, this movie is so bad. Like, it's so bad that it's actually borderline excellent. Um, <laughs> but just because it's just so awful. And it's rare, I think. It's weird for me. I find it's really rare for Doctor Who to be so bad it's good. Um, it is in some places, but in most places it's not. Sometimes it's just really awful. Mm-hmm. But, um, oh my goodness, is this a hot mess. Yeah, yeah, it really it's, is. It's a... It really, really is. Um, <laughs> it goes about everything, like, the exact wrong way. Like, you compare this to Rose, and you're just like, here's how you do it right, and here's how you do mm-hmm. it wrong. <laughs> yeah. Um, and we'll, we'll, just across we'll talk about the board. Uh, and then I guess it should be noted that it aired... On uh, May 16th, I believe, May, mm-hmm. May 16th of 1996, uh, and May 14th, sorry, May 14th of 1996, mm-hmm. and uh, which, this is the craziest part, it didn't even, it didn't air in UK first, it aired in UK two weeks later, but it actually, the first place it aired was in Canada on May 12th. <laughs> How weird, a Doctor Who movie and the first place that it premieres is in Canada. Yeah, yeah. What is that? I, Canada getting all the good things. What what what, quote, what is the deal with that? Um, I guess because it was filmed in Vancouver. Who I don't know. But anyway, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. So so it 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 premiered, and like I said, it was a backdoor pilot um, meant to begin a series. Which if you haven't seen like concept art and stuff for the series, they were working on a redesign of the Daleks, uh, mm-hmm. Spider Daleks. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, creepy, creepy. Yeah, really creepy. Yeah, yeah. Um, worth looking at. Just go to Google right now and type in spider dollies. You'll see what we're talking yeah, about. Yeah, really creepy, really creepy. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, yeah, so 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 this was meant to be a backdoor pilot. Uh, the option was in there. If the ratings were really good, Fox could pick up the film for uh, a series. And uh, it made this. This is what's so funny is that it got uh, 6.1 million in the premiere mm-hmm. because they put it up against the series finale of Roseanne, <laughs> which is which is a mistake. Yeah. Um, so so it goes up against the series finale of Roseanne, makes 6.1 million, which is a very respectable number today. But back yeah. then, when you couldn't DVR TV, you couldn't, uh, you know, if you recorded TV, like, it was still counted toward ratings, and, like, people didn't have the internet and all of these other things. So people actually, like, there was a, there was a thing where, where, where when a TV show came on, you actually had to work your life around it and actually sit in front of the TV and watch it. So, so TV... That's weird. Yeah. That's, like, that's like some backwards... Yeah, I know. So, so TV at the time, like, ratings were crazy. Like, like uh, things that were rated high were getting, like, 20 million viewers. Like, that was a hit series. So 6.1 yep. was, like, nothing back then. Meanwhile, if they mm-hmm. made this movie today, that would have been, like... Fox would have been going insane. Like they would have been like, "Oh my god, six point one million! That's fantastic!" Okay, let's do it. Put it on NBC. It would get picked up for two seasons. Yeah, I know. Like right off the bat. <laughs> right off the bat. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> um, so that's that's sort of a comparison for you guys. But uh, yeah, six point one million. It got uh, nine point eight million uh, in uh, nine point one. Sorry, not nine point eight. Nine point one million in UK. Um, when it aired there, which is which is an average Doctor Who number, like that's about where like the modern era I think is getting like ten or eleven, maybe. Mm-hmm. Like that's a really high rated episode. So like considering that the show had been off the air for like seven years, coming back in the UK with like you know nine million is pretty respectable. And if it just says that like if they hadn't gone for like Fox number, like if they hadn't paired up with Fox, the BBC could have done a Doctor Who reboot in nineteen eighty six, and it would have pretty much done just fine. Yeah, which is. You know that's that's endearing. Like it's really it's really nice to know that people were still into it back then, especially after seven years of nothing. Yeah, which is impressive. Yeah, definitely. Um, so then, uh, yeah, that brings us to the movie. Uh, I don't know. Do you have anything else? <laughs> I got, I got, I got nothing except <laughs> like except like again. If you want to read about like what like all the names that were attached to this, like one of my favorites was you were watching the doc last night and you saw me and I am saying, Oh my God, Fox wanted who for the <laughs> David for the Hasselhoff for the role. Oh of the my doctor. God. My brain exploded. David. Oh my Hasselhoff. God. They wanted the as the doctor. Oh God. Can you, can you imagine David Hasselhoff as the doctor? I pro- that probably would have killed the show and rightfully so like forever. Oh God. Yeah. yeah. Oh, Killed God. it forever. And there would be, and, and at the very least, there would be no question about whether it was in continuity. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> no one would be like, maybe Hasselhoff is in continuity. No one would say that. No one. It doesn't mm-hmm. matter that you're seeing the regeneration of McCoy into Hasselhoff. Yeah. This was some... Which would have been freaking great. This... <laughs> like, can you imagine? <laughs> can you imagine? I would have YouTubed the hell out of that. I would have been like, dude, look at this. McCoy is sitting there and all of a sudden it's the Hoff. Like, oh man. And just, just all the, the slow motion shirtless scenes of the Doctor that would have been in this movie. I just... Baywatch uh, Gallifrey, kids. Baywatch Gallifrey yeah, is all I have to that say That was going to happen. Another one that was thrown around, which wasn't awful if you're going to cast an American, I guess, as, as the Doctor, was uh, Donald Sutherland. 
That was another like it's not it's it's still like whoa, but but at the yeah. same time you're just like well I can at least I can understand with a reasoning with that one mm-hmm. as opposed to and it's better than the Hoth. yeah it's better I mean, than the Hoth. not that that's not that that's hard but I mean it's but be- can you just imagine like like uh, Donald Sutherland would have been a part of both the failed Doctor Who TV movie and the failed Buffy film feature film. <laughs> I uh, like like talk about guy you just be like franchise killer yeah. like, you oh no kidding uh yeah so so uh but again if you want if you're really interested in this sort of like sparks your imagination go go look up some research for it cuz it, it it's a really great way to just kill an afternoon at work or something and like the na- again the names like I saw Christopher Lloyd bandied around for the master which I think would have been really interesting but like the names involved, like I was, I was reading a, a site, shannonsullivan.com slash Doctor Who, and she was like, she listed every name that was ever considered for the Doctor and the Master, and the names are off the hook. Like it's just insane. <laughs> oh yeah. Mm-hmm. So uh, so yeah, that's uh, that's background significance. Mm-hmm. Uh huh. So uh, there, so that's the background and significance of the movie. Um, before we get started uh, with in our discussion of the movie, uh, this is a reminder that today's episode is brought to you by InStockTrades.com. Uh, this month at InStockTrades.com, you can purchase our book of the month, which is uh, Lock and Key Volume 1, Welcome to Lovecraft, by Joe Hill and Gabriel Rodriguez, sitting over on my bedside table, ready to get read later tonight. And remember that all orders over $50 get free shipping, thanks to InStockTrades.com for supporting this episode and Doctor Who, I guess. Yes, um. <laughs> and how. Um, yeah. All right, so I'm leading the commentary on this uh, on this thing. Um, so yes. this is this is a little different, but um, for right off the bat, right off the <laughs> bat, okay, right off the bat, the first line of this up in this movie is, "It was on the planet Scaro that my old enemy, the Master, was put on trial." Really, really? <laughs> That's how you start this? Are you kidding me? Like, like, talk about just like completely like. If I tune in for this and I had no idea what Doctor Who was, I'd hear that first line and be like, "Well, I'm obviously missing something." Change the channel, like, and it shows you Scaro, and like, there's a little title card that says, "We're on Scaro," and we're on Scaro for the better part of about ten seconds. That's a generous number. Yeah. Uh, it's it's pretty bad, and that's I, as we go through this. That's one of my biggest problems. Is this is with this is just for some reason one of those four people, maybe all four of those those groups that were giving talk giving notes to these people to the to the movie. One of their notes must have been throw every piece of continuity you can possibly think of at this movie, which is awful. In this like, prologue, yeah. Oh, it's such a bad idea. This, and this like, prologue oh. is awful. I mean, it's really really awful. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, because, um, like, I remember watching this when I was 11. Like, I watched this as it aired with my dad. Um, right, right, right. And I was, like, I was 11, and I and, and this was one of the first things, like, Doctor Who related that I ever watched. Um, mm-hmm. Like, I watched a bunch of episodes <laughs> up to this point because, like, my, my dad was, like, oh, like, super excited that it was happening. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, and we were watching it, and, like, every five seconds, like, you'd have to, like, in this prologue, I'd be like, wait, what? He'd have to explain it, and then we'd keep going, and I'd be like, "Wait, what?" Um, so, so yeah, he'd just have to keep explaining things. So, so we go through this whole thing, and then <laughs> we get we go through this whole prologue where they're explaining like what's going on with the master, and like he's on trial by the Daleks because he did something bad. The Daleks got pissed off, and so they're like, uh, "We're gonna kill you." And he's like, "Well, hold on, I have a request. Uh, when you kill me, I want you to I want you to give the remains to the Doctor and have him take them back to Gallifrey." for me. 
And they're like, oh, yeah, sure. Because, you know, that's what the Daleks would do. They'd be like, yeah, sure, I'll grant your request because I'm a Dalek and I have a heart. Um, <laughs> Look, it's your last request. Like, they're, they're, if, the, if you were up against the wall, the Daleks would totally give you a cigarette. They'd light it, too. Like, you know, it, Luther Blaster Ray, but they would totally light that cigarette for you, you know? <laughs> they really, really wouldn't. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and then and then like there's the notion that they would let the doctor come to get, come to Scarrow to pick up the master. Which how awkward a meeting would that be? Like, oh my goodness, can you imagine? I want to see that actually. I want to see McCoy arriving on on Scarrow and all the Daleks, and he's just like, I'm here to pick up the master, and they're like, oh sure, come over here, fill out some paperwork. We can't release the body to you right away. Um, <laughs> well, that's that's the thing that's funny is uh, there's actually a novelization uh, written by. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, the the main comic book writer now, the guy that writes all the Doctor Who comics, uh, John Lee, I think. Is it? No, 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 no. Tony. No, Lee. no. Okay, no, it's not Tony Lee. It's another guy. Um, another guy that's no. big in cut Doctor Who comics, like Graham something or other. I don't know. It's in this Wikipedia article. I'll find it in a second. But he in in he wrote it, and uh, there's a bunch of like the prologue. It, Gary Russell. There's oh Gary Russell. Yeah. Oh, Gary there's Russell. a uh, prologue that's like. 20 or 30 pages and it's just like the doctor going to Scarrow, getting his remains. Like it's, it's like really long and drawn out prologue. <laughs> um, so like that's all actually in that thing. Uh, but that sounds painful. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, uh, so anyway, so he's explaining this whole thing about like how, how, uh, you know, he requested that he, he move his remains for him. And then, and then the, the little prologue, uh, ends with him going, the voiceover going, it was a request they never should have granted. And I'm like, well, it makes it sound like the, it makes it sound like the doctor does something to the master's remains. Like, it makes it sound like the doctor does something wrong. <laughs> and and not only that, but it's just like, it also, it, it, it sort of tries to make this adventure of the, of this of this movie sound more important mm-hmm. in the grand scheme of the doctor's life than it actually is in the grand mm-hmm. scheme of things. Like you watch this film and you're just like you're just like yeah, this is one of his low-end adventures. Like he didn't really go yeah. through a whole lot in this. Uh in <laughs> comparatively. Uh Yeah, it's not it's not like it's not like this is changing anyone's mind about, you know, like oh my goodness, the doctor did stuff crazy in this, you know, yeah, like yeah, well, yeah, I mean, exactly. But they, they crazy just things, but... it's just like yeah. this over uh like over dramatic thing that's through this whole movie. And and that was yep. that was the beginning of it, and kind of what sums up the whole thing for me. Where I'm just like, oh man, this is just—they're just trying way too hard um, to make yep. this awesome, and it's just—it's mm-hmm. just not. Uh, so, <laughs> and, and not only that, but like, couldn't have the doctor just turned down the request? Like, couldn't he have been like, I, yeah, um, yeah, about that. Uh, listen, I'm not. Mm, this is a bad idea. I don't think. <laughs> Odds like, well, are well, the, master the master probably the master, he, held our, he held my place at a club one time, so I owe him a solid. You know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he, helped, he helped me move my furniture this one time, and uh, I never... He helped me move that one time, yeah. Yeah, and I, I owed him pizza and uh, pizza and beer, and I, this, never, this... I never really did that, so... This is the least I could do for him. So then we, we get the, uh, the Doctor Who logo, and uh, it's all like... It's flying through space, yeah, all... which is not safe it's... at all. No, no, you don't, you don't want rogue logos just flying through space like that. It's... It's a bad move. Um, so we then, learned that from Star Wars, kids. We not a, not a good idea. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Epic, but dangerous. Very, very. <laughs> um, so I really like the TARDIS set in this. 
Like I'm not. Uh-huh. I just. I really. If this this movie gives us two good things, it's it's Paul mm-hmm. McGann and that that TARDIS set. It's gorgeous mm-hmm. TARDIS set. Uh, yes, I agree. I think it's a really well. For one thing, the TARDIS set. Um, it, I don't know if you noticed this, but the the production designer on the movie is Gary Hutzel, um, who did the production design for Battlestar Galactica, and uh, the production design on Battlestar Galactica is fantastic. Mm-hmm. And it, you know, you can see him even though this is like ten years before that. Gary Hutzel is really good. Yeah. Yeah. Like, really good. Yeah. I mean, um, I, granted, you know, the whole, like, H.G. Wells thing is a little on the nose, but kind of in the right way, you know? <laughs> what? This movie be on the nose? Or <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. <laughs> but I mean, you know, but honestly, like, let's introduce Doctor Who to American audiences, so let's give it, like, an H.G. Wells kind of vibe, like the TARDIS and, and the <laughs> Doctor, yeah. even, in the Victorian garb. Like that—that mm-hmm. that makes sense to me, and 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 I yeah. think is actually one of the only good moves that this movie makes. Honestly, mm-hmm. if there's a complaint I would level against the um the the set design, it's that um the doctors. The TARDIS, the main console room, is basically a giant studio apartment, which I like. I like the scope of the of the console room. It's something that they get right in the new series. But um, I I I I really like the idea of the TARDIS branching out into other rooms. So like, I'm not huge on like the the fact that the library is in the console room. I mean, maybe that's a later McCoy choice where he's just like, you know what? I like the TARDIS to just be one giant room. Um, if there's one complaint I have, it's that. But I really do I really do think the design on it is really really excellent, and they do a good job of showcasing it. Yeah, my problem um, with the with it, the with the yeah. apartment, like the the studio apartment thing, is the fact that mm-hmm. like we see the doctor just like sitting there and reading, and it's like, uh, mm-hmm. I don't think the TARDIS takes time to travel anywhere. Like that's yeah. the thing where where I was really confused watching this. I'm like, um, mm-hmm. no, it, it's a time machine. It's instant. It just yeah. disappears and then reappears somewhere else. It doesn't fly anywhere. Like, <laughs> like yeah. I feel like they just they didn't know how the TARDIS actually worked mm-hmm. and were trying to make it into something that it wasn't. Mm-hmm. Um, well, that's something that you actually see in in the throughout the old show is like nowadays the Doctor can get in his TARDIS and he can just travel wherever he wants whenever he wants and it takes like two seconds, which is great. But like in the in the old show, like they would actually do things where like in Earth Shock, the Doctor goes from Earth to the to the ship that's infested with Cybermen and he um and they 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 send all the people off to some bunks to go get some rest and it's like what? It's just re- it's just weird. Like I, you're right in that it doesn't it doesn't really make much sense because it's a, it's a time and space machine. It it's pretty instantaneous. Yeah. It's be honest yeah yeah mm-hmm. um also mccoy's costume variation brilliant mm-hmm. brilliant yes beautiful awesome mm-hmm. and he's wearing matt smith's jacket is he oh my god he is oh that's awesome yeah that's great yeah. that's where that comes from almost to the point yeah. where where you know like that that's the thing is like later like you could write in that matt smith is just like yeah, I, I i wore this for a little while like before and i liked <laughs> it then and so I'm wearing yeah. it again. Um, yeah. like just just a little throwaway line where everybody would be like, what? And then we'd be like, oh, we know what he's talking about. <laughs> I just like moments like that in life. So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, he's totally wearing Matt Smith's jacket. Um, and, uh, yeah, so I, like I said, like I just, it, it's just funny watching McCoy in this because, like I said, the BBC agreed to, to, to his inclusion as long as he didn't say much. Mm-hmm. So he says, like, three things. Um, he's very quiet. Uh, yeah. And not, not very McCoyish at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, yeah, well, that's because, that's because, well, that's one of the major problems with this is like, 
if you look at at this the story, there's also a line in the beginning where apparently apparently this the the TARDIS this new version of the TARDIS loves candles because there is candles and fire everywhere. <laughs> um, <laughs> and there's this part where there's this really well, McGann is actually narrating this whole thing uh, at least at the beginning, which is you know it's kind of lame. I'm I'm not a huge fan of narration as a general rule unless it's used really really well. And it's super info dump where... because he's just like I yeah. am I am in the uh, the tail end of my seventh incarnation. Uh, and Time Lords, we Time Lords, we have a total of 13. And, uh... Mm-hmm. And it's, <laughs> oh, it's such an info dump. It's so... It makes no sense. Yeah. Like, why do we need to know that it's a seventh life? And not only that, but, like, you know, I, I've taken I've taken writing classes, and, like, and like not to, make, not to say that that makes me an expert as a writer or anything, because I don't pretend to be, but you're, you're dealing with a story that's new to people, and you're basically saying, okay... This is your main character, but he's not really your main character. Your main character isn't going to show up for another 20 minutes or so. So have fun getting to know this guy while the guy who you're really supposed to know and care about doesn't show up for another 20 minutes. And, like, can you imagine being a person who's watching this for the first time and just being like, WTF, man? Yeah. Like, it it just doesn't make any sense. It's just really, really unnecessary. I mean, I like it because it makes the movie matter, but at the same time, like... Compare it to Rose. Like, in Rose, you don't need to know that the Doctor's on any incarnation. You yeah. don't need to know that until the Doctor actually regenerates, which is what Russell T. Davies does that is perfect and makes m- the most sense. Like, there's a there's a, there's a thing where, like, you don't need to know continuity or information until you actually need to know it, and that's one of the things that this movie gets completely wrong. Mm-hmm. It's just telling you tons of stuff that you don't need to know instead of focusing on, like, the characters and making them real and stuff. Absolutely. Yeah, because none of these characters are real. None of them. Not a single one. Um, no, Grace cries. Don't you understand? That makes her human. Uh, yeah, totally. And 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 yeah. uh, Chang Lee, he high fives in his gang because that's what gangs yeah. do. They do that God, all the time. Chang-Li. They like they're just not, like, not just high five, but like spin kick high five. Yeah, we're we're an yeah. awesome martial arts gang. High five with my foot. <laughs> we're and we're Asian. Yeah. <laughs> Woo. <laughs> So uh, nope, no so anyway, there's this little this, there's this little handheld chest thing that uh, mm-hmm. that the master's remains are are in, and uh, there's there's a record skip, and uh, and this is the beginning <laughs> of like the really erratic directing, which is like so mid '90s, like with the weird yeah. camera angles and and mm-hmm. things like seemingly con- constantly shot in a fishbowl lens, like oh god, yeah, yeah, this whole movie is shot really bizarrely. Um, mm-hmm. but, but yeah, so, so, you know, McCoy freaks out and then the TARDIS freaks out and then he goes and checks on the master and the thing is cracked open and the master, goopy master has escaped. <laughs> um, and, and all I can think of when I see this is just like, uh, so that's obviously ectoplasm. So the master's a ghost. Uh, so where's the Ghostbusters? Because that's yeah. what this is. Like, yeah, that's all we're missing really is, uh. I, I'm reminded um, not so much of the Ghostbusters, but of uh, something like the Secret World of Alex Mack. If you want to go for a crazy '90s callback, sure, um, sure. Or uh, yeah, all those people who got that high fives. All who didn't, Wikipedia. Um, <laughs> and uh, or the T1000, which you know, Terminator really inspired this movie. I guess. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, this is this is this is more goopy than metallic metal. Like it's all it's yeah, like yeah, snot. Yeah. So. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. That's where I got the ectoplasm. <laughs> yeah. Like it really just looks yeah, yeah, like yeah. A, a ghost escaped from that thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, we then do a smash cut to Sancouver, and uh, 
Vancouver, uh, 1999. Uh, supposed to be San Francisco. Obviously filmed in Vancouver and obviously not San Francisco. Um, mm-hmm. So Vancouver, 1999. And uh, we see uh, a, a, an Asian restaurant um, chopping the head off of a fish. This is where the movie should have started. Cut yes. everything else out. This is where the movie should have started. Right here. Yes. That fish is probably the most important fish in Doctor Who history as well. I would like to point that out. <laughs> really important for later. But but um, but seriously, like honestly, like yeah. that is where it should have started. You should cut all that other info dump. Anything that you had to know, like the tar- like the master escaping and and the whole remains thing and yada yada, all of that business, you could have fit into dialogue later in the film. Cut yeah. all of that out, and it should have just been a situation where the doctor shows up and and saves either either Chang Lee or or uh uh what's her Grace. Grace, thank you. I kept wanting to call her Gwen and that's not right. Um <laughs> Chang 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 Lee or Grace or both, whatever, saves them, dies in the process, and then we get the new guy. Like that that's that's yeah. probably the way this should have went, but it didn't, so mm-hmm. whatever. Um, yeah. So anyway, we're there, and then uh, we we get, hey, we're in a gang. Let's high five with our feet. Um, that mm-hmm. happens, and then also rival gangs in 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 Vancouver they hide with machine guns behind wooden crates. That's what they do. Yeah, and like and aren't very subtle about getting up. Like they knock over a crate before they even stand. It's pretty epic. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and they're just like, what's that? Something knocked over a crate. Oh, it's that other gang with machine guns. <laughs> <laughs> That's weird. Oh god, this is such a mess. And they're like, just within like, the first five minutes, it's such a mess. And they just rise oh out of the crates and start walking toward them, like, like, yeah, we were hiding from you, but we've got machine guns, so we thought, why hide anymore? <laughs> <laughs> you finally showed up. We were waiting for you. Like, oh my god. Because like you guys do know you have machine guns, you don't actually have to hide. Like you could have just yeah, you... been standing there with the machine guns, like. Yeah, <laughs> it's not like there are any cops around to like try and bust you or anything. Right, not in San Cooper, um, nineteen ninety nine. No, it's yeah, like it's, yeah. it's like Detroit and RoboCop. Like, yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> Just run around with some machine guns. It works. Yeah, yeah, it's fine. You know. It's fine. Um, so uh, the TARDIS shows up, and uh, wait, 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 wait. Hang on, hang on, hang on. We forgot the part where Chang Lee's friends get gunned down. Oh, um, right. They get gunned down, and Chang Lee shows no remorse for his friends. And these guys apparently unload like these these submachine gun dudes. I know we're focusing a lot on this, but there's a lot to talk about. I'm sorry, but these submachine gun dudes, like their idea of firing stuff is like let's unload an entire clip at these guys, and then instead of ducking and reloading, despite the fact that we know that Chang Lee and his bros both have guns, um, let's just stand in the open and uh, and reload. Because we can stand here and reload. Well, Chang Lee's not going to shoot him. I mean, that's just... Yeah. That's, he high-fives. Like, he just... Yeah. <laughs> he's like, can't I just high-five my way out of this? <laughs> I have a spin kick move. It's pretty awesome. Come on, Let's guys. Go. Come on, guys. High-five. High-five, please. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so, so yeah. Chang Lee is, is, is standing there like he's about to get shot down against the wall. He has his hands out because he's trying to high-five them. They won't. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then the TARDIS... Up, uh, you know, appears like in front of him or behind him or something. Or in front or, of him, yeah. yeah, in front of him. And uh, and so, what do the gang leaders do? Or the ga- the gang members? Of course, they shoot the TARDIS. Which right off the bat, the TARDIS getting shot feels wrong on every level. Like <laughs> seeing like a bunch of bullet, like machine gun bullets, like ricochet off the TARDIS. I'm just like, this is just. I just Strange. I just feel weird. But I guess yeah. 
if you wanna if you wanna look at it this way, not saying you have to, not saying this even crossed their mind when they were doing this. They probably just thought the TARDIS getting shot. That'll be awesome. But if you wanted mm-hmm. to, you could you could say that it symbolizes the old show being out of its element. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you could say that if you wanted to. You know, 1996. Everything's big, and anybody who knows anything about comics, that was, like, the worst time to be reading comics, because, like, yeah. everybody had, like, giant guns attached to their arms and stuff, and, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, Batman had knives yeah. for fingers, and, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah so that was just, French that was, Batman, like, it was just, as like, we like to call him. <laughs> yeah, it was just, it was just a bad time for entertainment, mm-hmm. and, and so yeah. the TARDIS showing up, which is just, like, this classy thing, and then just getting shot to hell by machine guns. I, I, you know, I just... It's weird. It's weird. Um, yeah. So, so the doctor comes out, and I love this, where they've, they've shot the TARDIS to hell. And, and Sylvester McCoy comes out, doesn't look behind him. He does his, his signature move where he comes out backwards and locks mm-hmm. the TARDIS and then turns around into trouble um, mm-hmm. because that's his signature move. And he does it, and he just, he just, just one guy, just like, <laughs> like he just, he doesn't get gunned down. Everybody, everybody's just like, hey, look, it's some guy, and, she, and then like one of the gang members just like, yeah, I'm gonna shoot him. <laughs> like, <laughs> he's the one who gets a talking to afterwards. Yeah, like, just like because he doesn't have a trigger. He he's a little trigger happy. Yeah, like the other guys are like, dude, wooden box, cool, okay. Little little old guy, not cool, not cool. Yeah, He's come like, on, we don't shoot those guys. You're on, you're on, you're on, you're on. You're, you're out for the gang for the next week. Well, I thought, we'll I break. thought he, I thought maybe he was Asian. No, no, he wasn't. He wasn't like us. He wasn't. <laughs> I thought maybe it looked like he was gonna give that guy a high five. I thought they were together. <laughs> <laughs> So, so anyway, uh, so Sylvester McCoy's down, Chang Lee runs over to him, and, and uh, the gang runs away, because they're just like, oh, we just shot a guy, let's go. Um, this is what we were here to do, but we did it, now we're scared. Um, yeah, crap. So they run off, and Chang Lee is just like, oh, it's the old dude, I guess I should, I should help, because I'm a gang member with a heart of gold. Um, mm-hmm. so, uh, so then, so then an ambulance comes up. And uh, it's 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 got um, Eric Roberts in it. Uh, he's yes. kind paramedic Bruce, as I like to call him. Yes, paramedic Bruce. Um, <laughs> and I love the fact that like they have this little argument where he's just like, "You need to fill this out." He's like, "Whoa, man, I'm not signing anything." And he's like, "Either do it, or we're not going to help this guy." And it's like, "Whatever, you're going to help the guy regardless." Like that's ridiculous. Number one. <laughs> Number two. Chang Lee in the most ridiculous line. Like, almost in the whole movie, because it's just so arbitrary. Chang Lee's just like, what's the date again? And he's like, <laughs> December 30th, and he's like, 1999. And I'm like, you mean the, the date card at the top of the scene wasn't enough for everyone to know what the date it was? Was that, was that for your illiterate readers? Your illiterate viewers? I just like, I was like, oh my god, I can't believe... That was like I would not have been able to shoot that scene. I'd have just been like, "Yeah, really." <laughs> December thirtieth. Yeah, it's it's, it's 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 pretty hacky. It's like it's like okay, just in case you didn't get it, it's December thirtieth, nineteen ninety nine. Because in, the, in in May of ninety six, this was the future. See? Yeah. See, so this was cool. Yeah. Just and the turn of the century and the millennium. Right. 
<laughs> right. Everybody's partying like it's okay. Yeah, exactly. It's just <laughs> that's just that's 1999 for you. And and Asian gangs either high five each other with their feet or they have submachine guns. That's yeah, yeah. that's what happens. It's a typical Asian gang is what that is in in 1999. Of course, exactly. Yes. In 1999. <laughs> so we did. We, we, they bring in McCoy, and they're just like, we're going to need a cardiologist who's on call. And we get the crying game. Like, she's, she's just, she's at an opera with the fakest single tear I've seen in, like, filming history. Like, it's just the worst thing I've ever, like, it doesn't even look like water. Like, it looks like, like somebody just sprayed gel. Like, it yeah. looks like glue, like clear glue that's trying to dry or something. Like, yeah. it just looks... It's- awful. It's awful. And her look is like one of ecstasy, like, I'm really enjoying this opera, and you're just like, you're snooty. Yeah. Um, it's, uh, and really, horrible. who goes to an opera when you're on call? I have, Apparently she does. It's, but she's a flat character, so it doesn't really matter. Right, whatever. right, exactly. So then she goes... <laughs> Why to... does she like opera? It doesn't even matter. Like, really, it doesn't... It's, well, it's one of those decisions in this movie where it's like, this mo- it doesn't even matter that she likes opera. She's just at the opera because they're like, this is what real characters like. It's like, no, if you're creating a real character, real characters aren't defined by what they like they're defined by what they do yeah. and like you know there's a lot more to be said about the fact that she goes to opera than when she's on call than she likes opera but the way that this movie is directed it's much more it's much more uh, telling that they're much more interested in her liking opera than you know her actual psychological realism as a character which is pathetic yeah yeah so so she gets she gets the call um, she takes it much to her to her boyfriend's chagrin, and uh, her boyfriend hates her. You can just tell. Yeah, he just he just he just despises her. I mean, like she goes to the to hospital in her dress, um, running full speed in slow motion, um, and, and uh, she she puts on like the surgery outfit over the dress, which is weird. Um, you yeah. think that she would just go ahead and change. Uh, yeah, but, but no. Um, so <laughs> do not question it. This is good. Yeah, no. <laughs> yeah. So so she gets while she's washing her hands, she gets a phone call from her boyfriend. That's just like, what? You just left? I'm sorry. I'm on call. I have to save this man from dying. No, that's not good enough. I, I we were at the opera. Yeah. Hello. Yeah. This is not okay. Yeah. Yeah. Her 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 her, her BF's a, a jerk. Like, like just like yeah. yeah. It's just like actually, I think I think she's a jerk because she left the opera. Everyone knows you don't leave the opera. That's rude. That's true, especially when you're crying. I mean, that's the worst yeah. time to yeah. leave the. The opera. only time it's allowed is when you're is when you're is when your son's crying. But after that, you probably will get gunned down in an alley. Batman Begins reference. Um, yeah, but what yeah. you what you actually don't hear is his half of the conversation, which is after you got up and left, and they just stopped the opera, waiting for you to come back, and you never came back. <laughs> Everyone was sitting there for like three hours. Why why didn't you come? Come back, man. <laughs> <laughs> so, so then we go into surgery, and uh, they can't understand what's going on because he has two hearts, so it's confusing. So she has like this little the the little camera tubing that mm-hmm. she runs through mm-hmm. his arteries, and mm-hmm. she gets lost because he has two hearts. That's not expected. Um, his physiology is completely different, right? So, right. Yeah. So she's all confused, and McCoy starts having these crazy reactions to stuff. Um, the doctor is just like, Bleh! like he's, he sounds like uh, like like uh, Grandpa on The Simpsons, like when he goes, like when he has like crazy states, like that's what McCoy sounds like in these moments. <laughs> he just like randomly would just pop up and say something crazy and then fall back down. 
Um, <laughs> and also, I would like to... I, first of all, I'm YouTubing this so you guys can all watch it, but <laughs> they're playing more opera, which is supposed to underscore the fact that this guy's dying, which is, you know, that's apt, but I mean, at the same time, ugh, ugh hack. Yeah, yes, um, very, very much so. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, so then uh, we cut to... Uh, <laughs> so 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 yeah, the doctor dies. He flatlines. They call it. They send him down to the uh, the the morgue. Meanwhile, mm-hmm. we go back to Goopy Master, who is a snake now. So mm-hmm. that happens somehow. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He 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 did the he did the T1000 thing or the Alex Mack thing where he can turn into a snake. I don't know. Whatever. Yeah. Don't question it. Come on. <laughs> Not Why? just a snake, but like a you know a ba cobra. Like yeah, he's just like. <laughs> An extremely detailed, bad CGI BA Cobra. <laughs> like, I don't, I don't even know how. Like, what? Um, yeah, it's it, it. It makes sense. No, come on. Didn't you know the master could do that? That's his. That's his fourteenth regeneration. Come on. Oh right, Snake. Got yeah, it. Exactly. Got it. Um, exactly. So Goopy Snake. Uh, yeah. So that's gonna be a great season of Doctor Who when the Doctor hits his fourteenth and he's just like a Goopy Snake, and then all those fanboys who hated this will be wrong. <laughs> Amy Pond's just like I've been with you through three do- gener- regenerations, Doctor, but this is easily the weirdest. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, uh, except you know he'll be like a boa constrictor, like a friendly boa constrictor instead of a BA cobra. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> She's um, like, well, the master was poisonous. I just like to strangle people. <laughs> no big. <laughs> no, he doesn't like to strangle them. He just likes to hug them to death. Yeah, um, tight hugs. Yeah, tight, tight hugs. Really, really tight hugs. Uh, yeah. Anyway, we then get the masterfully, masterfully out of place Will Sasso. Yeah. Oh, God. Weird. So like... painful. This was Fox <laughs> being like, hey, we've got that guy contracted to Mad TV, right? Let's put him in here. He's fat and funny. Yeah. And it, <sighs> I don't, I, every time I see it, it takes me right out of the story. And I'm like, oh yeah, this is actually not just bad; it's really bad. Yeah, he he for me is the absolute like representation of the horrible American influence on this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I just yeah, I would see that. Oh god, it's just mm-hmm. it's just his line delivery. Like he can't get out of Mad TV mode, so he just goes yep. extremely over the top with every line he delivers, mm-hmm. um, like he's doing a skit. And it's just, yeah. it's just the worst. Um, yeah, it's every every scene he's in is pretty awful. It's it's oh, yeah, not my favorite. Oh man, and, he, and, he, and he's and he's all over what are what is my least favorite uh, uh, portion of the of of the movie, which I'll get to in a minute. Um, not oh, a minute, yeah. a while, but but we'll get there, and it's awful. Oh, <laughs> yes. Um. So so he's watching Frankenstein as the Doctor regenerates because because <laughs> again this this movie is not on the nose at all. Not at no, all. No, never, never. Never. Never does it's that like happen. It's like Mad Men. It's all just about subtle glances and stuff, you know? <laughs> yeah, totally. Um, this, yeah, this won all kinds of Emmys, right? Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Every Emmy you could possibly win. Oh, I thought and so. And then some. I thought so. It won comedy yeah. and a drama. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I thought. Okay, all right, good. Albeit for the wrong reasons. Um, <laughs> comedy comedy because it was so it was so bad it made you laugh, and drama because it was so bad it made you cry. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. Um, so, so uh, you know, I, I'll say this is this is my third favorite thing in in mm-hmm. in in this film is the regeneration effect effect in this is pretty cool. Like, I really like it. Yeah, yeah it's it's really neat. 
Um, just the way... There's that... some random lightning, but beyond that... Um... Well, the lightning is cool because it's almost like a pre... A pre... Uh, a precursor to the, like, power. Regen- like, the, the new regeneration. You know? Yeah, where... the energy fountain. Yeah, yeah, the energy fountain. Thank you. Yeah, perfect. Mm-hmm. Okay. So the energy fountain effect in the new, in the new series is almost like a precursor to that. Where, right. where somebody was just like... I feel like... You know, there would be some sort of energy going on with the regeneration, and so mm-hmm. you get the lightning thing, and then plus you, you know, Frankenstein and lightning, and yeah, yeah, um, yeah. It, it's subtle, subtle, subtle. Yeah, yeah, all, exactly, really subtle. All very under, underhanded, very under the table. Right, but I yeah. do, I do really like the regeneration. I will. Yeah, say. I agree. I think it's, I think it's really well handled because it's one of the, I think it's probably the. Uh, minus Trouton, minus Hartnell into Trouton, it's the only time that you actually get to see like the the actual transformation occur. Um, uh, really, you know, from face to face. Right. And it's done really well. Right. Yeah. Totally. Mm-hmm. Um. So yeah, I, and I like too, like when McGann first wakes up, which he has super strength. <laughs> no, no, no. That's the thing where his shoulder is really powerful. That's what they didn't tell you. Oh, um, right, right. Because yeah. the book I had, yeah, <laughs> enhanced strength and agility. That's where this comes in. Right. Exactly. Um. <laughs> so he he breaks down the the like foot thick freezer door. Um, just smashes it down, and uh, Will Sasso screams like a girl, and then uh, stutters and falls over and passes out, um, because he's in a Mad TV skit. You see, exactly. exactly. Nobody told him that this was a movie. Um, mm-hmm. So I do like that at first, uh, when McGann's walking around, he still has McCoy's mannerisms. I love it when the doctors do that in a post regeneration, yes. and his his mannerism is mostly how he walks. Like he walks like a short pudgy person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, at first, and and so like I I really like that. Um, yeah, it's really good. Yeah, yeah. And I I do think also that it's actually it is really interesting to think about how an amnesiac would react to not even being able to recognize their own reflection. Yes. Like I actually I legitimately think that that's kind of interesting. Like that concept. Mm-hmm. Um, which is what's happening here. Like he looks in the in the mirror and then. And then says, "Who am I?" And then uh, re- repeats to the heavens, um, <laughs> because like Jesus or something. Yeah, right. Who <laughs> am I? <laughs> like, and his arms outstretched. Yeah, and and, it's, and it's if so I was savage. if I was Paul McGann, I'd be like, "What did I sign up for?" <laughs> this... Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then we cut to the next morning because there was a commercial break there. You see, that's oh, that's this is my favorite thing. Okay, so apparently the doctor dies at like one o'clock in the morning. He's brought in and wheeled in at about one twenty. You can see him walk. If you, when you see him walking down the hallway as eighth doctor, he, it's like one twenty. So you, <laughs> you cut to the next morning, which is maybe about six seven in the morning. Mm-hmm. It's about to, and the plot finally starts to move forward. Mm-hmm. Not only that, but uh, there's also the implication that the doctor's basically been walking around the hospital aimlessly for the past, like, five, six hours. And no one has seen him. He's still <laughs> <Yeah>. in a sheet. <laughs> he's still in a sheet. And it's yeah. either it's either either he's been just walking around or he's literally just been shouting at the heavens all night long. Like, he shouted, who am I? And then just waited for an answer, patiently. <laughs> After three hours, he was just like, hello? <laughs> who who am I? Any Anything? Oh, <laughs> am I Steve? Hello. <laughs> you know, just... Yeah, but seriously, what was everyone doing all night? Like, we cut to Chang Lee, and he's he's finally looking in the baggy stool. Which, which that's right, I didn't mention that. Is like, 
Um, uh, Grace <laughs> finds him because he brought him in, so he's been waiting in the waiting room. Chang Lee has. Grace brings him into her, to her office and is like, hey, look, your friend, you know, he died, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, oh, man, is this his stuff? Cool, I'm going to go with this stuff. Because... <laughs> That's I don't really care when people die, as you saw earlier in the film. I high fived my friends. I didn't really care about them. They died. Yeah, whatever. No skin <laughs> off my back. Um, I'm an awesome Asian think... gang a gang member, and now I'm a gang leader. So what? Yeah, exactly. Um, I think I think Chang Lee. First of all, Chang Lee. We haven't really mentioned his name, but he's an Asian dude, and his name is Chang Lee. That's awful. That's really awful. Yeah. Um, I know it doesn't need saying, but I think we need to point it out that Chang Lee as a name is not good if you have an Asian dude. Um, <laughs> yeah, be a little bit more creative. Um, but I think <laughs> I, was, I was going through this last night, and I realized towards the end of this, and I'll mention it now because it's a good place to mention it, but I think Chang Lee is a poster child for one of those people who the, the system actually failed. I think the public school system really failed Chang Lee. <laughs> Because I think he just has no regard for anything, and he's he's kind of moronic, and he doesn't really know what's going on. But I think he's one of the he's one of those people the school the school system really failed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I also feel like like the character of Chang Lee was written to be a lot younger than what they cast it as. Yeah, because if you mm-hmm. go back and you list, pay attention to the dialogue and just look at it like as written, mm-hmm. I feel like he's supposed to be like. 12 or 13. Like, I don't yeah, think yeah. he's supposed to be, like, 22, like he is mm-hmm. in this. Mm-hmm. Um, it's weird. But, yeah, so it's the next morning, hours later, since he, st- he st- took the bag and ran, the-, the bag of stuff, and he's now, finally, he's he feels safe enough, seven hours later, <laughs> to stop running and look inside the bag. <laughs> seven hours can you imagine like those seven hours like I want to I want to know what he did for those seven hours did he go get a drink maybe he saw his girlfriend yeah maybe, yeah like, left maybe left the bag at her, at her house and there was like a, a wacky antics thing where like the adventures of Chang Lee is like a 20 minute special where it shows him trying to track down the bag again as it passes through various hands that has stuff. to be what happened has to be I know it doesn't make any <laughs> other sense um, and then well the timing on this whole movie is just so strange like it, it is it feels so, like such an early draft where hours minutes time as an institution which is so weird because they're so focused on time as an institution especially as we get to the end but like none of this actually makes any sense if you start to work out when things are happening because oh it's just so strange it is everything it really really is um so uh, the the master snake has has forced uh uh the uh paramedic paramedic bruce Bruce. um to swallow it it um because that's how the master can possess people now uh apparently and uh yeah that so 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 he wakes up in the middle of the night and he's like all drooly and gross and uh rabbity. Yeah, rabbity. Like rabid. And and so the master is just staring out the window all night and uh very unmaster like. Yeah, very much. Very very just he's just too, he's too creepy to be the master mm-hmm. here. Mm-hmm. Like the mo- the master in this in the whole thing really is just too much of a monster. Mhm. Yeah. You know. Um, it, mm-hmm. it's, it's weird. Uh, but he, he it gets away from like the men, like the, the idea that, um, he's Moriarty and it goes more towards like, he's like Mr. Hyde, which is kind of weird. Right. You know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So, uh, paramedic Bruce's wife wakes up and, uh, the master kills her with this and he's doing this shush, which is really juicy. Like, it's just like, just these really gross, juicy lips 
and and <laughs> his finger is just smushed into them. Mm-hmm. And it's just it's the most disgusting shush I've ever seen. Yeah, it's it's pretty bad. It's just it's, it's really uh... weird and like I mean, I don't know anyone who would call Eric Roberts an overactor, but mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just I'm just saying maybe he could have toned it down a little bit, in, but you know, not saying he's an overactor. No, right, right, right. No, no, I would never say that about Eric Roberts. No, no, never, never. never. Um, but I will say that if Eric Roberts gets anything right in this, it's the master smirk. He's got that down yes. pat. It's perfect. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he d- he does that yeah. very very well. Um, mm-hmm. And again, we get Will Sasso, who's horrible. Uh, yeah. He, yeah, the doctor looking for clothes and stuff. Yeah, yeah, that's that's fun. They're just like, oh, look, the scarf. Ha, call back. Um, There's another scarf. Look, it's a scarf. Lovely. Yeah, so then, call uh, back to Tom Baker. So then we see the doctor in full costume, minus shoes, which I actually kind of love. Um, Love that, yeah. yeah toe tag. He's still wearing the toe tag, which is phenomenal. Right. And so he's in the waiting room, and then there's this super dramatic revelation of the word time. <laughs> Somebody's just like, hey, do you have the time? And he's like, time! And like, looks <laughs> and it's like flashing on the word, and all yeah. the clocks in the TARDIS, which is weird. Yeah. And he's just like, that's very important to me somehow. And I'm like, yeah, it's important to everybody. Everybody needs to know what time it is. Like, <laughs> that's just... <laughs> That's everybody. That's really not you specific necessarily. <laughs> um, so, so uh, Grace like shows the X-ray of uh, the doctor's chest with the two hearts that was supposed to be a double exposure, and then she looked closer. Obviously, it isn't. Shows it to her boss, and her boss is like, "Uh, yeah, we're gonna burn this because you killed a guy." Okay. This is the, this is the latest in a long string of questionable hospital practices this <laughs> hospital is undergoing. Yeah. Like, not only that, but like Grace is like, this was no double exposure. It's like maybe you should have checked that before you went and operated and killed the doctor. Like, maybe you should have looked at that. Um, yeah. Because they like they take the they take the X ray like like thirty times and they're like it's double exposuring every time. And at that point, like your scientific method is flawed if you're like it's still double exposuring. Like it's not, guys. It's it's not that you know. What I love too, like in that scene when the doctor comes in before they call in a cardiologist, um, mm-hmm. the doctor comes in. They've got the the X ray up on the wall. That he walks in on. So it's like the wall with the door, right? I'm trying to yeah. visualize this for our audience. Yeah. All right, so it's next to the door that he walks in on. He walks straight in towards Sylvester McCoy, who's on the table, and somebody's like, we keep doing that. We've, we've taken this x-ray 30 times. It keeps coming out double exposure. And he's like, well, whatever. Let's do this. And he doesn't even look. <laughs> he doesn't even look. <laughs> Yeah, it's 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 a really question. I would I would I think that we should get some people to look into the hosp- the practices of this hospital because it's kind of strange. Yeah, like really like strange. I kept yeah. I kept coming I kept waiting for like <laughs> I you you probably won't get this because you didn't watch a lot of Scrubs, but like I just kept waiting for like uh, like one of the characters from Scrubs to just like walk up and be like double exposure high five. <laughs> it's like wait what? <laughs> because it's really it's that kind of hospital. Like it's just yeah. not. I wouldn't want it's to not, be cut It's not a good there. working environment. No, not, not at all. So anyway, her boss burns the X-ray, um, and it, it again. So she quits her quits her job after that, and it just it just more and more things leading to the fact that it makes it seem like Grace is gonna be the companion at the end of the movie. Spoilers: she's not. But yeah, 
they keep like they're like look she doesn't even have a job to come back to like she's gonna be able to travel through time and space with the doctor but she's not because everybody hates Grace um, yeah exactly yeah which so, they somehow knew before they even aired it like it's written into the pilot that she's not gonna be the companion it's so strange it is really weird um, <laughs> but I will say if there's any scene that I like the two of them together it's this scene in the elevator like mm-hmm. and then into the parking garage like it's actually kind of a lot of fun like the doc yeah, just, it's, it's great Paul McGann is just brilliant though like the, he's the guy, really just, oh. really excellent yeah yeah and he's just walking around with this, that toe this tag. is one of my favorite scenes every scene that he's in he is on the button and owning the part in ways that other doctors you know other doctors will take a couple episodes to get used to the role Sometimes, um, like even Matt Smith had some offer episodes. Uh, Chris Chris Eccleston is one of those rare exceptions. Um, but like most doctors need a, a bit to get into the role. Paul McGann is like he hits the ground running, and like you can just tell that he like the script is weak. But like what he's doing and how he's acting is really really well done, all across mm-hmm. the board. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I love I love the elevator scene. I love when he takes the probe that was still lodged in his in himself and he regenerated around the probe and he pulls it out. Like it's just this really great macabre thing and he's like he's like screaming and you're just like, Ah, it's really weird You know, like he, he just he owns it. He owns every scene and this is really, really, really strong for that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then and then uh, we cut to back to the hospital. Um they leave together and we cut back to the hospital and uh, the master, as the T-1000, walks up to a nurse and says, have you seen this doctor? Um, because I expected him to say, I'll be back. Like, li- like, not, like that's not even, like, it's an easy joke, but oh my goodness, I'll be back. Like, right there. Like, it's, yeah. it's, it's literally Terminator, like, what he's doing. And, and what's up with his eyes? Why does he have, have no weird idea. eyes? Why is that a I thing? I have no idea. Is it because he's Snake, snake, snake Master? So he has snake I eyes? I honestly don't even know. It's one of those weird choices that they do but never explain. Like, they never explain what Snake Master is. And it's like, it's like you're so focused on continuity that the least you could do is explain to us what's going on. I mean, I was reading in the research, I was like, they, they said something about how they wanted the Master to be bete- deteriorating over the course of the story, but like, it's just, it's, it's one of those things where this movie is so much like half-baked ideas that never really work out. It's just that, and it's, it's, I don't even know how to deal with it. I'm just like, okay, I guess the Master has green eyes, whatever. La. <laughs> And, and and speaking of uh, falling apart and and rotting, like this is the point where he's talking to the nurse and just nonchalantly rips his fingernail off and flicks it away. To which the nurse really doesn't react at all to a man who just rips his fingernail off and flicks it in her general direction. Like she just kind of watches it. She's and just is like, like, "That's oh, weird. that's weird." Yeah. <laughs> Instead of being yeah. like. Ah, yeah, you know, just like really <laughs> so strange. The whole movie is so strange. Yeah. <laughs> and then oh, and then we yeah, cut totally. back. We cut to we cut to Grace's house where Grace eventually for some reason is basically like the doctor is pulling this probe out of his body. So she's like, "I got to take you home with me for some reason." So we go to Grace's house and Brian's moved out all of his stuff including the couch and like <laughs> Brian might be a jerk, but that guy knows how to get stuff done. Because somehow, in the span of 12 yeah. hours, he managed to get all of his stuff in a couch out of her house, which is fantastic. Well, no, he just he, he called up his he called up his arch nemesis and was like, "Look, man, if you'll help me move, I'll make sure that I move your remains back to our hometown." 
Um, <laughs> later. <laughs> Works every time, man. Works every time. <laughs> every time. And he's just like, well, how can I turn down a deal like that? I mean, I hate you, but whatever. Well, I'll move your stuff. <laughs> so, so anyway, um, I, 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 I love in this, this is the beginning of McGann really showing off his doctor and like how erratic he is and how he gets easily mm-hmm. distracted with stuff. And I just, I mm-hmm. love that about him. Like he just, he just like grabs CDs. Like she's trying to check him out and he, she just, he's like, let me look at your music. Oh, I knew this guy. Hey, check this out. He's a real name dropper, McGann. Oh, he's a total name dropper. Yeah. Um, so that's, but it's, it's a lot of fun. Like, I, I like yeah, that scene a lot. Uh, mostly he's like, I told, I told Puccini to not publish Madame Butterfly, and I, I, you know, yeah. he was wrong, but he did it anyways. You know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, it's really, really excellent. Um, so, yeah. so when Chang Lee's looking through the bag, he finds, uh, the TARDIS key, but it's not like a key. Like it, it, it's this weird shaped thing, but yeah. somehow Chang Lee assumes that it's a key to the blue box. I don't think Chang Lee is intelligent enough to think that that is a key, first of all, and two, that it would belong to that. Like, I just... Yeah. I, I mean, granted, you know, we wouldn't really have much of a story if he didn't, I guess, but mm-hmm. it just... It's one of those things where I'm like, my suspension of disbelief can only go so far. Um, yeah, and so it's Chang a Lee huge uses, leap is what it is. Yeah, yeah. And so Chang Lee uses the key... Goes into the TARDIS, does the gag where he walks in, whoa, walks out, walks around the TARDIS, it's bigger on the inside, how weird. Um, So then he walks back in, and uh, lo and behold, who's inside but the master? How did he get in there? I don't know, because it's never explained. (laughs) He's just, like, chilling in the TARDIS, like, yo. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. And then he, uh, he he basically is just like, yeah, so, um, listen, oh yeah, and I love this, he's just like, <laughs> Chang Lee gets jumps, and he's like, he's like, whoa, the guy from the ambulance? Bruce, don't Bruce? scare me yeah. like that. <laughs> oh my god, I love that he's on first name terms with this paramedic he met one time. <laughs> it kills me. Like, I just imagine after he, fill, after he went, 1999, he's like, so, uh, what's your name? How, you got, you got a wife, kids? What's going on? What's, uh, it's just like he's basically casing paramedic Bruce's house <laughs> for later. <laughs> he's like, so he's where like, do you Chris, live? Expect Chestnut you Street? That's, that's, I, I expected you on Chestnut Street. Um. Yeah, yeah, what, it's weird, Bruce. Why, why you gotta be like that? And Bruce still looks like the T-1000, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, and that's that's the thing too. Is like, I at least at least at least they ex- tried to explain the way that he was walking in the previous scene mm-hmm. by saying like mm-hmm. uh, he's having trouble getting used to his new body. I'm like, all right. I was like, okay, fair enough. That's fine. That's mm-hmm. how you explain away stuff like that. But they don't bother doing that most of the time. Mm-hmm. Um, but but yeah. Uh, so the master has uh, has uh, hypno eyes. Yeah. Well, that's a master thing, I guess. Like the master has a long history of hypnoti- hypnotization, which I guess is which is I guess is fine. But like, I, I don't see why he doesn't keep hypnotizing um, Chang Lee, who I, I just realized I kind of want to keep calling Senor Chang, but that's a different problem of mine. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's um, yeah. So, so would have been better if it was get, Ken Jeong. I'm just get, saying. I'm just uh, saying. Uh, step one. 
Yeah. Huh? We then get step one of a five-step process, which is the master and Chang Li relationship. <laughs> step one is abusive. What do I get out of this? You get to live. That is step one. Abusive. <laughs> They're in an abusive relationship. Okay. <laughs> So then, so then we cut to the doctor, and he does the whole these shoes. They're perfect. That whole thing, which is really charming and awesome and perfect. Love that. And, That's probably like, this is probably my favorite scene in the whole thing. Is actually yeah. this one because I think his the way he's like Gallifrey and he starts remembering all of his stuff. And I I really this is my of all the McGann scenes. This is probably my personal favorite. I just think the way that he's like he's like these shoes they fit, and he goes running is just really 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 excellent. Yeah, yeah. It's is a total audition piece. Total yeah. audition piece. Mm-hmm. Um, I love that. Uh, and then we come back to the Master and Changli, and we get steps two and three. Step two, friendly. Help me out, because it's the right thing to do. You see, the doctor stole my body and my TARDIS, and I want it back, and I just want you to help me. Is that cool? And the Changli's <laughs> just like, yeah, I mean, you just threatened me a second ago, but yeah, that's cool. We can be friends. <laughs> And then, my life in a gang. My life in a gang taught me these things. I'm yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then right after that, he's just like, "Here's a bag of gold. You'll get the rest when I get my body back." The master and Chang Lee relationship. Step three: professional. They have a professional relationship. It's a really unhealthy relationship, is what it is. It, I think that's step six. That's. <laughs> it's just that's the conclusion at the end of this. It's it's very unhealthy. Yeah, it's it's pretty it's pretty death. Uh, making, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, this is also the part where we find out that the TARDIS likes Chang Li, <laughs> which, which which again the... doesn't that that's not leading to the fact that Chang Li's going to become a companion in the future, is it? Actually, no, no, no not at all. That no. has nothing. Nope. <laughs> no. Uh, so, and I will say, Chang Li seems to be accepting a lot of this really easily. I think that's just because the school system failed him. Like, really, I, I, I'm going to just blame the schools for that. Okay. Like, you know, you go to school, you learn to trust people. You know, or, yeah. or you learn to not trust people, I guess. Um, he's just a little too trusting. But that's, you know, his friends were just gunned down. Um, yeah. So <laughs> he's, he's got to trust someone. So the master takes Shang Li into the cloister room. Mm-hmm. And he's just which like... Which has is... bats! Which has bats! Which yeah, has... it does have bats. Yeah. <laughs> Um, Bats and leaves on the floor. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so the master forces Chang Li to look into the to the eye. Like, of Harmony. To, to open the eye of Harmony, like the giant Ugh. eye. Um, <sighs> this Ugh. does not look good. No. This does well, not look good Well, the Eye of Harmony, for one thing, like, that's... Like, if you're going to be really, really, really faithful to canon, like... The Eye of Harmony was on Gallifrey. It's not even like I mean that's a nitpick thing, but like come on, if you're if you're you, you open yourselves up to that, so if you're like so sticklers for canon, like now you're just like okay, they had, oh, there's a the TARDIS has an Eye of Harmony and it's gonna it has this really dangerous superpower, you know, like it's yeah, it's but awful. no, but seriously, like the Master holds Chang Li's head down and forces <laughs> him to look into this eye, and then they 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 back the shot way up, and it's just the Master holding Chang Li down to his crotch. Yeah, it's 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 it not just, a healthy relationship. It's it's uh, it's it's not. It's 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 step four in the process, and that is uh, they have a sexual relationship, a yeah, forced sexual relationship. Not not, not a he- not even a healthy sexual relationship no, either. No, know? not at all. It's no, it's all. really it's just wow. It's questionable. It's questionable. Let's, yeah, you can say it's questionable. Um, 
<laughs> so the the eye opens, and then he remembers who he is, and uh, as a result, makes out with Grace, which I'm okay with. Uh, people people complain about that, but I don't mind. Whatever. Yeah, I mean, it's um, it's what made McGann different. You know, yeah. So that's that's and fine. You know, why wouldn't the doctor just spontaneously get the urge to kiss people? I have the spontaneous urge to kiss people. Sure, and Absolutely. he would actually. If McGann do it. was near me, I would have the spontaneous urge to kiss him. Yeah, why not? Yeah, sure. If, if it was Grace, though, I wouldn't have the spontaneous urge. But that's you know, that's the doctor's hang up. Like I, I would, I would feel, I would get excited, and I would feel the urge, and then I'd be like, mm-hmm. oh, right, it's you. <laughs> yeah, I get it. I'm gonna go celebrate with someone else. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. yeah. So then, uh, <laughs> oh man. So the, the... <laughs> so <laughs> everyone should know what's coming. If you've seen, you know what's coming, and we have to talk about this. But, so yeah. um, the master, like the, the thing, opens and he's just like, "Oh, hey, it's the guy." Like Ch- Chang Lee's like, "Hey, it's the guy I saved." Yup. And then we he trans he. Tra- changes, Sylvester McCoy changes into Palm again, and he's like, and that must be his new body. And then, the Master comes to a conclusion that since the thing will only open with human eyes, which is a huge design flaw if it's built by Time Lords, just saying. Yeah, yeah. Um, The Doctor must be half human. Okay, alright, okay. First time I saw this, I actually didn't really have a problem. I knew everyone who has ever heard of the movie knows that this is the thing. Um, This is the thing that the movie's remembered for, unfortunately. But first time I watched this movie, I remember not really minding it very much and being like, oh, the, the impl- there would be an implication that the doctors have human. But like the way... <laughs> I'm YouTubing this so that you can see it, because um, I'm also including the doctor with shoes er- section, but... <laughs> the part where Eric Roberts Bruce Master basically goes, "Ah, the doctor is half human." When he says that, you can hear the scream of millions of Doctor Who fans going, "What?" You know, just like really really loud. It's oh, it's magic. It's it's so all-encompassing. Like every person in the world, you can just hear them watching and just screaming out in terror at this movie. <laughs> yeah. It's pretty much yeah. Um, I just, and there's no, in that entire documentary on the, on the DVD, they never mention the fact that he's half human once Bogus. because I think they're even ashamed of it. And so they're just trying to like close their eyes and plug their ears and pretend it never happened. Yeah. Well, that's what everyone's trying to do. That's why, that's why people like to write this thing out is because they, they, there, and there have been attempts to try and explain this away, but like. Let's just say that the master's an idiot. Let's just all assume that. Mm-hmm. And the the line that McGann has later is just a cheeky joke. Like you can just you can write it out. I mean, it's not like this is the end of the world. It's true. It's true. Mm-hmm. Um and 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 then in this scene is where I was like I was realizing that um yes, Eric Roberts is awful, but he's really doing a bang up Anthony Hainlin impression. Like Yeah. Yeah, he really is. At moments, it's just like, oh man, th- this is this is totally Anley, like totally. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's kind of weird uh, at times because you're not mm-hmm. expecting it because it's Eric Roberts, but uh, mm-hmm. yeah, he obviously had to have gone back and watched um, some master Same. episodes or something because yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, so <laughs> so the doctor. Uh, the doctor tells Grace everything because he has his memory back, and then uh, she freaks out <laughs> and runs into her house and locks the door. Um, yeah, 
And uh, and so then he proves that the Eye of Harmony is opening by pulling a Donnie Darko on our window and then just <laughs> kind of walking through it, uh, which was weird because apparently um, the Eye of Harmony causes glass to be melty. Yeah, well, that's the thing is, like, uh, this is another problem with this movie is, like, they'll just introduce things and drop them like, like flies. Is they'll introduce the idea that, um, that, uh, that all of the world is starting to, mole- the molecular structure of the world is starting to, to, like, you know, demolecularize, I guess. It's, it's all starting to fall apart. So the doctor busts through the glass, and then they never mention this sort of thing again. Mm-hmm. Ever. It's it's a it's a mess. It's just a mess. It's just it was just a plot point to get him back into her house. That's it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um so yeah. So then uh, the 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 two of them are like sitting there and they're talking or whatever and and you know, he's acting crazy at least from her perspective and she's waiting for the uh the white coats to come take the doctor away. Uh-huh. And she calls uh, for paramedics and Bruce hears about the paramedics. And so they apparently wait around for an hour and a half for these paramedics because it's nine o'clock and the paramedics don't show up until ten thirty, which is another really weird timing thing from the yeah. story. Yeah. <laughs> um so then uh so then the master shows up of course and uh mm-hmm. they're in the ambulance together. The master's being very uh coy in the ambulance. Yeah. Like he's just like he, I don't know. Like he's, it's just very he's chilling. Yeah. Well, and they're just they're just like you know got a lot of banter going back and forth the three of them, and it's just it's really strange. And Chang Lee's driving, and Doctor Grace doesn't recognize that it's Chang Lee driving the friggin' ambulance, mm-hmm. which is weird. And then we get uh, apparently uh, paramedic Bruce Master Snake Master can uh, mm-hmm. spit acid. <laughs> that that can happen. Yeah, exactly. That's that's the master's natural defense. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he spits acid. (laughs) He's he's actually um, his his life actually before the snake. What we didn't see in those seven years was he actually uh, he actually took over the body of like one of the aliens from Alien. Oh, oh, I yeah, yeah. I want to see that story. Yeah, yeah. So um, that's what happened. So oh, uh, right on. That's the explanation there. That'd be Uh, super awesome. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I want to watch that. (laughs) So he spits on Grace, and it burns her arm like this horrible chemical burn. And she screams, and you see her skin melting, and then they never talk about it again. (laughs) Nah, yeah. (laughs) They just do cool things, and they drop them like like it's hot. Yeah. Problem with this story. But there's a (laughs) great moment where the doctor pulls off a fire extinguisher and just zaps Master Bruce in the face. And then he freaks out. (laughs) He's just like, get it off me, get it off me. <laughs> and I think that's the, na- the master's natural weakness, truth be told. So oh, the fire extinguisher carry around a fire extinguisher all Be- the time because he's on fire. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Got it. Got it. Um, so uh, the doctor and and Grace run through traffic, and uh, they end up by this cop. And the cop is like, uh, I'm sorry, uh, pedestrians, there's no pedestrians here, and you're going to have to turn around and uh, go back and find your car and then come back through. And uh, and they're like, no, you don't understand. And so, like, the doctor steals the cop's gun and threatens to shoot himself if he doesn't <laughs> let them go. <laughs> and, and so he's threatening to shoot himself, and the cop has his hands up. Like, he's just like... Like, whoa, buddy, hang on, hang on, hang on. Yeah. And then, out of nowhere, they don't know where they come from, but the doctor pops out a bag of jelly babies and offers the cop one. Where <laughs> did those eats come it. from? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Where did those come from? He sniffs it first, though, but then he eats it. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's I don't. Where did where did he get the bag of jelly babies? Where? I have no idea. The doctor always has a bag of jelly babies. Don't we know things we learned from Tom Baker? Always has a bag of jelly babies. No matter just, where he goes, they just grow. Like yeah, yeah. yeah they spontaneously they just... generate in his pocket, no matter right. whose pocket they are. Okay, fair enough. Yeah, uh, yeah exactly. <laughs> So I can't believe I'm apologizing for this movie. That's stupid. <laughs> so so then you know there's a there's a <laughs> there's there's an awesome uh, uh, motorcycle chase, not um, inspired by Terminator Two at all. No, where the Doctor and Grace are not actually being chased by anyone, <laughs> but they're acting they like run, they, they are. Run. They run from the ambulance for a little bit, and then they just like start going off roading for no. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and then uh, to no to no avail because the ambulance still beats them at, to the party that they apparently <laughs> knew they were going to, which I had never heard of to this point. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they, they, not only that, but like there's this there's this idea that like the doctor's like, okay, well we need this piece of beryllium from an atomic clock so that we can put it back into the TARDIS and the TARDIS can reseal the Eye of Harmony and then we can do this thing. So complicated, needlessly complicated, even. <laughs> So they arrive at this party, and there's the ambulance has arrived there, and like it arrives so quickly, and the the master and Chang Li are so in a hurry that they can, don't even have time to close the doors. <laughs> yeah. So there's this random ambulance that's just sitting out in front of this big gala event. Because by the way, I forgot to mention this is New Year's Eve, 1999. So if you want to know where we're going, that's where we're going. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> which so. which which by the way, I don't know. Have you watched all of Torchwood? Is that I'm, yeah, I'm caught up on Tortured. Okay, yeah. so I think it's really funny that while this movie is happening, across the pond, Jack Harkness is working for Torchwood in England fighting a thing called the Millennium Bug in that episode Fragments. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That, that was taking place in 1999. And like mm-hmm. I kept waiting when they said New Year's Eve 1999. I'm like, "Oh my god, please make 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 some sort of reference to the fact that that movie took place then." And nothing. Mm-hmm. And I was sad. But yeah, I do well, like best best forget this movie ever happened. As <laughs> this movie will do. Whenever <laughs> whenever I watch the movie though, I always think of that episode and I, I'm like, "I know what Jack Harkness is doing at this very moment." Um, yes. He's having a better New Year's, that's for sure. <laughs> yes, he is. <laughs> he's he's in something a lot better than this. Um, oh yeah. So so they go to this party and there's this party and uh, this doctor like this jerky doctor like atomic clock doctor is like. Um, <laughs> Grace introduces the doctor to him, and uh, and <laughs> and the doctor's just like, uh, let me see the atomic clock, and he's like, uh, no, 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 only I can see the atomic clock, and he's like, you can't make an exception, nope. Nope, but I hear you have a secret. Tell me what it is. <laughs> Which is just the most ridiculous. No, you can't go anywhere near my atomic clock, but I hear Grace tells me you have a secret. I want to know what it is. <laughs> um, and that's when you get the, 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 the stupid line where he's just like, I'm half human on my mother's side. Because you could, you could, up to that point, you could just say, like, the master's just being an idiot. Um, but then when the doctor says it too, and then you're just like, oh, it makes it harder to write out now. They're somewhat committing to this plot point. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, even though at that point, it's then never mentioned again. (laughs) Yeah, it's, oh god, this movie's such a mess. Like, it's almost like they brought it in just to destroy continuity, which, you know, I mean, I'm all for wrecking continuity in places, but that's a different discussion for a different time. But, like, they... 
it's almost like they brought it in just to knock over the continuity of that and then just like leave like it's it's so destructive for no reason like it, mm-hmm. it's not even important for later you know no. it's so weird yeah, it really is you might um, as well just make the doctor human if you're gonna do that like why make him half human what does that accomplish you know nothing yeah um so then uh, they go up the stairs and they find like a bunch of security guys that have been master gooped um yeah. Which, Which I'm not weird. really sure how that works either. Like, and then one falls because we're in a slapstick comedy, apparently. Right. <laughs> and his gun goes off when it happens. Yeah. Um, it's weird. And then and then we get this moment where like they they see the master and they see Chang Lee and they come chasing after them and so the doctor and Grace go out a window, um, and we get this really like. Despite the lack of involvement from Amblin Entertainment, we get this music that sounds like an ET ripoff. Like, yeah. <laughs> like just in this section, like I was just like, oh, are, are they just gonna like, are they just gonna like fly across the moon now? Because yeah, like, it's total at this John point, Williams is what it is. Yeah, yeah. It's, I was uh, like, at this so point, I, I really wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised if that happened randomly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they just like run into ET, and he's like, I need to go home. And they're like, sure, we'll take care of this too. <laughs> but only for this fly in front of the moon. It's fine. It's but a great only, shot. In the, only in the next five minutes, because then we'll forget that you were even in this movie. Um, <laughs> also, I, I was I was watching it. and I was just like that that fire hose thing jumping off the roof. That's a uh, Die Hard. That's another another great '90s reference. Yeah, late yeah. '80s reference. Yeah. Which, again, doesn't make any sense. Such a lazy writing move. Just saying, we totally. climb off the roof and then jump off the building, and no one notices us climbing down a fire hose. Totally, it's totally. so lazy. It's so weird. Like this there wouldn't be has... cops out front of a big event like that. Yeah, and someone pulled a fire alarm, so there'd be people all around. Like you'd, you'd think that someone would notice. It's just, it's so lazy. It's so, mm-hmm. it's so weak. Mm-hmm. Is what it is. It really, really <sighs> is. Um, so they go back to the TARDIS and I love the fact that the TARDIS keeps a spare key above the P in the TARDIS. Yeah, it's great stuff. I, I think that's really great. And then... Good touch. The, the motorcycle TARDIS gag was pretty fantastic. <laughs> in the worst of ways, mind you. I hate this gag, but at the same time, I'm just like... Because uh, at this point, I'm so, like, I'm in such a place of, this movie is so bad, it's great, that... This gag is just so stupid that it works, but awfully. Because this motorcycle just comes out of nowhere, drives right into the TARDIS, turns around, and comes back out. Never does the guy even stop or, like, worry about it. He's just like, all right, I guess we're showing that the TARDIS is bigger on the inside, but we already knew that. It's weird. Yeah, I don't know. I think it's a funny gag, but... But the thing that doesn't make any sense is the fact that Grace has no reaction to it whatsoever. He's just like, like the doctor is just like, huh, this is going to be funny. And she's like, yeah, I know, right? It's like, wait, why do you think this is going to be funny? You don't even know what this thing is. You've never seen it before. Um, yeah, so that that bugs me. But she has like this yeah. big grin on her face, like this is going to be hilarious. But meanwhile, if if you, if she knew what she's supposed to know, she would have been like, this is going to be hilarious because this police officer is going to run right into this box and die horribly. <laughs> I'm gonna knock over this stupid box. Show it. Show it what's for. This is gonna be awesome. <laughs> and Grace becomes a very different character all of a sudden. Yeah. <laughs> really mean. Really vindictive. Like, yeah. Yeah. Really sadistic. So so they go into the TARDIS, and then you get this moment where like I forget what they're talking about, but the Doctor mentions something really like ultra sciency, and she's like, Oh yeah, I know what exactly what you're talking about. This, this, and this. And the Doctor's just like, Uh, yeah. <laughs> then they never mention that again. Like. Well, I Why think did... you can argue you can argue that that's because um, when the when the master like spit at Grace, that was the master's way of 
possessing her, I guess. So she understands it because the master understands it, but they never really explain it, so you have to really just kind of really stretch for that information. Um, oh, man, that's awful. Isn't that awful? That's so yeah, horrible. Like, that's really bad. <laughs> this movie's really awful, guys. Don't um, so the master finishes taking her over, and then she uh, <laughs> knocks the doctor unconscious, and they mm-hmm. they wheel him in on a gurney into the close. By the way, by the way, room. just to keep just to keep the running time of where this episode is. It is currently eleven forty eight, so we have twelve minutes to midnight. Just thought I'd point that out. Okay. All right. So, <laughs> so, so they wheel wheel the doctor into the cloister room, and. Uh, the master walks out in robes. Where did he get robes? I don't know. Chinatown. Doesn't matter. Uh, it's, Fancy it's, master. Like, oh my god, this ma- all this awesome. This costume is awful. It's it's a total Doctor Strange. I mean, <laughs> yeah. He even does like the thing with his hands, like when he poses yeah. at first. <laughs> Which um, he poses. Not only that, but like the master even says, "I always dress for the occasion." You're just like. Oh, what happened? Somebody saw Batman Forever recently. <laughs> and it was like, this Jim Carrey guy, he knows what's up. <laughs> you kind of you just you just you just got to ham it up. That's what you got to yeah. do. Yeah. Um, yeah um, so... Also, it's 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 I I, I just forgot we I, for, I forgot to mention this, but the the doctor's plan at this point is to actually take the TARDIS, jump it back in time to a point before the Eye of Harmony opened, close the Eye of Harmony, and then save the world. But for some reason, the Eye of Harmony is going to suck up the world at midnight for some reason. So what he has to do is he has to rewire the TARDIS, jump back in time, and then unwire the TARDIS or something. It doesn't really make much sense. But basically, the doctor wants to go back into his own established timeline and alter events, which basically means that the solution to this episode, the story, is to break the first law of time, which mm-hmm. is really bad. Uh, and, 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 beca- and, and forms a paradox, which yeah, is in, also in, in, A paradox in the fact that if he goes back in time and changes it, then how did any of this happen in the first place? Yeah, and they never explain it. It's such a lazy outwriting move. It's so yep. bad. Yep, exactly. Oh, um, God, this so we then get we then get Ma- the master and Chang Lee relationship step four. Father <laughs> and son. Father and son. He's like the son I never line? had. What was this line? What? 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 I was watching with my girlfriend, and my girlfriend literally went, "I hate this movie." <laughs> <laughs> He's like the son I never had. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I can't. I can't even talk about that. You can just talk. I can't even. I can't even go there. <laughs> um. Yeah. So. So then we go. We get. We get. We get. <laughs> <laughs> like oh my god, this movie's so bad. It's so, like just when you think it can't get worse, they just make it worse. Just it's... just when you think it can't get any worse, you have a oh. random shot of the atomic clock doctor meditating. <laughs> like the atomic clock won't work because someone stole the brilliant which we find out that the doctor stole the brilliant and then he's like what and then he turns around and looks up towards <laughs> towards this like this like outcropping walkway thing where the scientist working this scientist again this movie really hates asian people i guess because there's this random asian scientist wearing a lab coat and glasses and he just shrugs <laughs> dramatically for no reason it's oh this movie's amazing it's so ridiculous <laughs> yeah and then, and then it's it's getting close to midnight, so we get the random shot of the atomic clock doctor meditating, literally going, "Om, Om," for no reason. 
And that's literally, that's the whole scene. Like, it's just him turning toward the camera and going, it's almost midnight. Home. Home. <laughs> oh my god, this would be so awful. Okay. And then I, I gotta say, too, is, is, is an atomic clock really this big a deal? Like, he's I, like, I, he's like yeah. it's going to change time forever. And I'm like, How? we're going to be more accurate than we've ever been accurate before. Like uh... before, before we were roughly two milliseconds off. Now we won't be. <laughs> Everyone gets champagne, is what we all get. Yeah, you know. Oh god. Yeah. And can't anyone say that time is more accurate? Like my time is more accurate than yours. Like what makes the atomic clock more accurate, really? Other than them just saying that it is. No idea. Honestly, yeah, exactly. No idea. Exactly. This is why the atomic clock really isn't a big deal, and all these people are just there for a New Year's Eve party. <laughs> um, you know, all these people are just like, screw it. I just want to hang out and rub elbows with really popular scientists. And then this guy's like taking it really seriously by meditating. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and then and then we get <laughs> a look at the really bizarre contraption that looks like it came from uh, uh, the uh, the uh, the Stanley Kubrick movie, uh, Clockwork Orange. Yeah, Clockwork Orange. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It it like the thing that the, the contraption that the master's using to steal the doctor's lives is just like this thing that holds his eyes open and it's got this chest plate and it holds his arms up over his head. Like, it's really S and M E is what yeah. it is. It really but, but, as, but as we've learned, the master is really into S and M. Yeah, so, so it's it, it's fine. It where it's consistent. <laughs> Power to yeah. them for being really consistent. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, so then we get the master and Chang Li's relationship step five, which is expendable. The <laughs> <laughs> so master just kills Chang Li, <laughs> breaks his neck for no reason at yeah, all. Yeah, the, like the the doctor is just like, no, don't you get it? He's lying. Everything he said is really me. It's about me. He's trying to steal my life. This is my thing. And then the Chang Li's like, oh my gosh, what if you are right? And the master's like, oh, don't worry about it. I I know that you'll believe. <laughs> okay, so anyway, where <laughs> were we? <laughs> and it's like you just. You just barely stopped saying that he was like the son you never had. <laughs> like, I was waiting for, like, a line for him to just turn back toward the camera and be like, Oh, that's right. That's why I don't have any sons. I killed them all. I broke all their necks. <laughs> I could just see the master shouting at his ba- his infant son and just be like, Love me! <laughs> like, the baby just cries and he's just like, Ugh! <laughs> That's just killing babies left and right. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, this movie is such a mess. Oh it is. Um, and then, and then, Grace is like still possessed, and and the master is like, I'm gonna have her go do this thing, and the doctor's like, you can't make her do that thing because she's possessed, and you know she can't, she can't look in the eye because her eyes aren't human right now because she's possessed by you, and he's like, good point, and then he eats Grace's face. <laughs> just eats her face. It's the most disgusting kiss I've ever seen captured on film. Yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty rough, man. You're just like, you're just like, no one likes this kiss. No one. Even the master has probably just been like, I haven't kissed anyone in a while. I think this is how it goes. And he's just like, no! Your chin goes in my mouth, right? <laughs> 
so he he eats Grace's face and she snaps out of it because who wouldn't? <laughs> and then she and then he forces her face down into the into the uh, into the eye of harmony. Um, and this is what begins the uh, the transfer of the Doctor's lives to the Master. And then uh, the Doctor is like, you have to go hotwire the TARDIS. And Grace is like, but I can't leave you. And he's like, but you can't do anything. You'd just be watching me die. Go, hotwire the TARDIS. And so she's like, all right, I'm going to go hotwire the TARDIS. And then she does. How? I don't know. The first time I saw this, I was like, "Really, really?" Like she's just like stripping wires and and like like just like I don't know what I'm doing. Just like pulling wires and like connecting them, and she connects one at the right time. What the hell is this? Yeah, yeah, it's awful. And then we get what is the worst, the worst thing in this entire this entire film is the countdown montage. It's just. Shots of Will Sasso acting like a tool at the, at the costume party at the hospital, which I'm pretty sure is taking place in the morgue. Like I'm pretty yeah. sure they're having a costume party in the morgue of the hospital. Again, that's where you have costume parties, dude. That's again, this hospital, not a good place. Not no, a good questionable, place. questionable, very questionable. <laughs> and if the whole staff is at the Halloween party, um. Where, uh, where, where's the people running the hospital? <laughs> Obviously, nothing happens on New Year's Eve. Not, yeah, no, 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 not no, at the turn of the millennium, anyway. Yeah, no, no emergency room. Everyone's safe. Everyone knows to drink responsibly, and and, uh, and everything shot. Crack. Every, everything is shot with a stupid fisheye lens, and it's just, and it's frenetic, and it's cheap. Oh God! And it's and it's they're like, counting down. Now, that's my problem with this: is like, why are you counting down for the millennium? Not only that, you're like four and a half years away from like the actual celebration. Why? What does this accomplish? Like, it doesn't really accomplish anything you just wanted to show their millennium thing for no yeah, reason they're just like adding like unnecessary they're trying to add unnecessary tension yeah it's um, it's so strange and so uh, apparently when grace rewires the tardis they jump into a temporal orbit what what's a temporal orbit i don't know the doctor <laughs> grace is like we're in a do- temporal orbit doctor what does it mean because she runs back to go s- save the the doctor and the master from the master mm-hmm. and, and she's like we're in a temporal orbit what does it mean and the doctor's like we're safe and they and they never explain it they're just like i'm i'm i don't know they just they just made up a word they're just like <laughs> temporal orbit that sounds good let's just <laughs> that's where we are and like ah. do you know what that's called hack hack writing that's yeah, it it's 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 so awful, and like, oh my gosh, like what happened with this script? Like, like not only like, not like it's been perfect all the way through, but like it's almost as if it starts like it starts bad and it just keeps getting worse. Like mm-hmm, mm-hmm. every choice, every minute is oh so much more. So awful. then the the master starts freaking out because the eye of harmony closes. And he he turns and he has like a bad case of monster voice all of a sudden, where he's just like he's just like, like starts attacking them, throws Grace off of the off of the the platform where they're on. She dies instantly. Which <laughs> wimp. Yeah, yeah. So so she dies instantly, and then the doctor and the master get into a physical altercation, and. 
And the doctor knocks him down, and then the master leaps at him with his crazy jumping monster powers and <laughs> misses him, and it goes right into the eye of harmony. There is a great moment though where the doctor like tries to like hang held out his arm to like save the master, which is totally monster, which is totally doctory. But oh my gosh, what was this? Like it's just like magic leap powers. Yeah. It's like, I think they were just thinking, it's not that far. And then you see the wide shot, and it's just ridiculous distance. Yeah. It's like he would have had to be the Hulk to clear that, that jumping distance. Like, it was just <laughs> it was ridiculous. Um, and, and then, uh, yeah, I, I will say, I will say, though, I would really love a Big Finish audio play to explain how the Master escaped from the Eye of Harmony. Yeah, 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 I would, I would agree. I would like that. I would mm-hmm. like that. Yeah, well, I I, that. a big finish, if anything, doesn't do master stories, which is kind of a shame. Understandable, because there are so many friggin' master stories, but sure. um, the the one master story that I've heard them actually do... Well, I've heard both of them, Dust Breeding, which was okay, and uh, a McCoy story called Master. Like, they're... they're after Master, you can't really do anything with the Master because it's so well done. But like, I really, I really do think that uh, the Master's underrepresented in Big Finish. And you know what? Give give Paul McGann another shot at the Master because I think I think if anyone deserves it, it's Paul McGann because like McGann's so like the, McGann's version of the Doctor is just so smart and so charming that uh, give him a good Master story. You know? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah. So you're right. I, I think it. I think it'd be cool. I, I mean, I think it'd be neat if they. Um... I mean, you could set it up so that, uh, you know, they, he has a companion for a while, and then the companion just, like, happens to, like, need to open the Eye of Harmony for something, and he lets the Master out, and the Master possesses the companion, and, like, mm-hmm. that could be cool, I think. Yeah. I yeah. don't know. And, like, there have, like, go. a Special real Master right story, where, like, the Master is, like, actually Moriarty, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, to, yeah. the, to the Master's uh, Sherlock. Because if there's, if there's any Doctor that's the most, like, like Sherlock Holmes, like, Holmesian, mm-hmm. it would be Paul McGann, I think. I agree, yeah. Yeah, so I think that would be really cool. But mm-hmm. anyway, and then and then you could say that that was the young version of the master that was in uh, in uh, whatever. What was that? Uh, what's the name of that episode? Um, Sound of Drums. No, part one, the first part. Utopia. Utopia. Yeah, in Utopia. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, and then he like escapes and you know saves his mind in the watch or whatever and yeah, blah, yeah. blah 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 there you go mm-hmm. uh, see I could write that um, yeah there you go go write it <laughs> yeah uh, I'll read it I'll just I'll just go write it yeah, um, yeah. I'll just make it for me it's fine yeah, exactly. um, so anyway I have literally no idea how Grace and Chang Lee are alive again but apparently I it has think, something to do with the temporal orbit and I think the Eye of Harmony brings them back to life for no reason Oh, okay. Just I, I literally think that's what it is because you kind of see like a the Eye of Harmony kind of like bring them back and it shoots some like life force into them and suddenly they're back to life and they're like, oh, well, this is great. And uh, what? Um, and, and apparently the Doctor totally time paradox loops everything. So we have to see. Not only that, we have to see the countdown I twice. Know. Which is I bogus. know. I have that in my notes. I'm like, I'm just like, I. I I was just like, remember how much I hated the countdown montage? Well, we're blessed with seeing it again. And it's worse the second time. It is. Like, it's even worse the second time. It's it, so awful. It really, really is. Um, I will say one thing that we haven't talked about, uh, about the TARDIS set. The mm-hmm. skylight, I love the skylight. Yes, I agree. I actually do. I think it's mm-hmm. really cool. Yeah, it's, um, yeah. But, uh, but yeah, so we we get to see that. Um, so they, they land, and... Uh, <laughs> And they're, the three of them are just standing there, 
And then Chang Lee is just like, uh, I guess uh, I'm going to go, or, or, or he like asked to keep something. Was it the gold dust? Is that what he was asking? Yeah, he's like, keep the gold dust, and the doctor's like, sure, whatever. Yeah, whatever. And he's like, oh, I'm going to go before you change your mind. And then, and then the doctor says, next Christmas, uh, take a vacation. Just, just don't be here. And he's like, and then he's just like, he's like, what? Oh, right. I get it. Thanks. And I'm like, what are they talking about? <laughs> I, I, I literally have no idea what happened there. Like, no I, idea. I, it's probably one of those things where the doctor all throughout this has been like really prophetic about the future for no real reason. I guess they just want to show that he's a time traveler or something. So it's probably one of those things where it's like, don't be in San Francisco next Christmas because really bad crazy is going to go down. But uh, Chang Lee, Chang Lee didn't get it. He was, he was like, he was like, Oh, right. I gotcha. Like, like the total guy who like didn't get what you were supposed, what you were trying to say. Like, yeah, it uh, just pretends. The public school system totally failed him. He <laughs> really did. He <laughs> really did. <laughs> um, and then I'll I'll say that the the Grace uh, Grace and the Doctor they they start kissing or whatever. Um, this is weird to me from from this angle, this particular angle, because their hair is exactly the same. <laughs> And lit the same way. It's the same length. They're both brunette, curly, with like golden strips in it. Uh-huh. And um, it looks like they're kissing their reflection. Like, yeah, it's really, it's really strange. With fireworks in the background again, yeah, it subtle. Looks, it looks, yeah, yeah. <laughs> his, his, this film is, if nothing else, it is subtle. So uh, subtle. So yeah. subtle. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, and yeah. So then she's just like, yeah, no, I'm not gonna go. And he's like, all right, cool. See ya. Uh, <laughs> He's just like, yeah, I guess. All right. And then he just leaves. And then uh, and then we get this ending that it feels a bit too chill for the doctor. Like, he just sets his coordinates, and then he's like, all right, now, where was I in my book and my tea? And I'm going to sit here, and I'm going to read. And is that that, that, that darn record skipping again? Oh, I'm drat. i time, no less. Again, subtle. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um... And so, uh, and so then he, uh, he, he, that's the end. But I, I, I feel like it's too chill for him. Like, I, I, yeah. I kind of just wanted him to just be, like, running around the console like a madman. But that's, that's the problem with, with the way that they're portraying the TARDIS is because, like, he doesn't need to be doing that if yeah. it's no big deal. Yeah. You know? Because it's lame. It's, it's going to take time to get there. I, mm-hmm. I like that it's, that it's, it's going to take seconds, and so he has to, like, run all around the TARDIS and do everything he has to do, because it's really supposed to be for eight people. Yeah. 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 I think it's, that's awesome. It's, it's, it makes a lot of sense, as much as this movie does. Um, yeah. <laughs> so that's so, Doctor Who the movie. Thank God it's over. Thank God. But at the same time, so sad that we don't get more Palm again. I mean, we do in, like... um. In, in audio, uh, which I guess we, we'll talk about in a little minute because I really want to plug the audio. But um, uh, if, if we could have, I mean, everyone knows that 2013 is coming up, 50th anniversary of Doctor Who. Everyone's excited. Stephen Moffat probably going to be writing it, thank God. Um, there's always been rumor of every time there's a big anniversary they want to do, they always talk about doing a big Doctor Who crossover. Um Love David Tennant, love Christopher Eccleston, would love to see them do like a team up with Matt Smith or whoever's the Doctor at that point. But... If I could have one more story with any doctor, it would be Paul McGann on TV. Because holy crap, is he so good? Yeah. Like yeah. Oh. I I honestly like really. Yeah. Like I I I want 
I want to see the Paul McGann regeneration so bad. Like, yeah. so mm-hmm. bad. But mm-hmm. even that, even that, I would... If it was like, no, it can't be a regeneration story or you don't get anything, I'd be like, fine, just give me another Paul McGann story. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I would, I, I, I really, because he, he deserves it, and like, you know, I, I, I'm, I've been on record for a very long time. Like, I've listened to a lot of audio plays more than I probably care to admit. I'm actually almost caught up miraculously. There, I admitted it. Um, I'll be caught up in the next couple weeks. Um, I've listened to a lot of these audio plays that are put out by this uh, production company called Big Finish, which is run by a, uh, uh, co-run by Nick Briggs, um, and. Uh, they they through these things they gave Paul McGann a really great shot. They brought him in and had him do some audio adventures. They gave him a new companion named Charlie pa- Charlie Pollard, and then they gave her gave him another companion named Lucy Miller. I'm listening to those right now. And um, for those of you who want more Paul McGann, like and who read the books, mm-hmm. I guess. Um, if you want to see how good Paul McGann is, go out right now, go to Big Finish, and go buy something called Chimes, The Chimes of Midnight. Go buy it, go download it, and listen to it, and you'll see that this guy, like, of all the doctors who deserves more, Paul McGann deserves more. I, I mean, we all love Eccleston. Eccleston totally deserves more. Uh, we all love Davidson. Davidson should have gotten more. Colin Baker should have gotten more. Colin Baker also, like, McGann got more in the audios. But... Oh my god, Paul McGann is so good. Like, he is yeah. so good, and his voice is great, and he's a great friggin' actor. Like, rarely do you see an uh, an actor go to um, become the Doctor and then get work before or after. The rare example being Troughton, Davison. Um, both of those had a, a career going up to the, playing the Doctor, and then they had a successful career after. Like, no one else really did except Paul McGann. Like, Paul McGann is still working in television. Like, he's still working in... Um, I think he was even on the most recent BBC series of Luther, which is really fantastic. Um, so, like, I, I love Paul McGann. I think every, everyone should go check out his audio plays. Some are better than others. Uh, if you really want to go for a nice run, check in with his uh, first two seasons with Charlie Pollard, or maybe check out his Lucy Miller stuff. But, like, he's so good, and he needs another shot. Like, he so, so, so needs another shot. I'm a huge... Like he's really actually, I think he's in my top five. Gonna be honest, of all doctors of all time, he's like, he's really he's he's awesome. I mean, he's excellent. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. he really really is. So okay. Well, there's the movie. I just I just wanted to be a nice cheerleader for Paul McGann because I really think he's probably the most underrated doctor of every doctor who's ever been. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, uh, before we move on, we want to remind you that today's episode is brought to you by DCBService.com. DCBS is the site that lets you order all your monthly comics, status, statues, action figures, and anything else you can get from a local comic book shop delivered right to your door. Uh, you place your orders three months in advance with monthly, monthly discount specials up to 75% off and regular discounts up to 45, 40% off. Plus, pre-order your collected editions and save 50% off. Ship as often as you like with orders as large or small as you like, and you only pay $5.95 flat rate shipping. Great deal, so uh, thanks to DCBService.com dot com for supporting this episode. Yes. Uh, next week, um, <sighs> what? Huh? Next week. End oh, next world. week. Next week. Uh, end of the world. Chris Eccleston, a uh, Rose story. Really, one of my probably the most underrated story of um, the Eccleston year, if you ask me. Like, just really, really one of my favorites. Yeah, just it's really, it's really a lot really of fun. Excited. It's just so it's just good. a fun story. Yeah, really excited yeah. to watch that one again. Um, it sold the series for me. I mean, single handedly. Yeah. Yeah, same same with me. Like I watched I watched Rose and really enjoyed it, but End of the World is the one that made me go, okay, this show's actually really awesome. And then I watched uh, Char- the Dickens episode and, w- and fell off. And I was like, oh, off. maybe not. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> um, but I'm really I'm really looking forward to talk about talking about that. Any excuse to watch the ten stories of Eccleston that we have is just you know it's a great excuse. Um, mm-hmm. 
and I'm actually watching it with my friend who just finished uh, almost catching up to Doctor Who, so I'm very excited about that. Cool, um, cool. Um, also this week, new episode of Geekin. Last week there was no episode because of uh, technical difficulties, so that was unfortunate. But mm-hmm. um, new episode definitely this week. Randy's back, so we'll, we'll be doing that. Geekin Extra is going to be Trailer Geek this week. Lock and Key we're pushing to next week because of uh, Randy's uh, personal issue that he had last week. He wasn't able to read the book in time. So we're go- pushing that to next week. Trailer Geek this week. Um, and uh, yeah, that's, that's where we uh, watch movie trailers and, and talk about them. And uh, review them as trailers. Um, yeah, and then uh, Movie Night at Geek Show talked about this at the top of the show. Last week was Eternal Sunshine. This week will be Annie Hall. So that's that should be two great episodes. Eternal so Sunshine was the best episode. That movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's so a lot excited. of people that are. Uh, Nick's really excited for me to watch it too. Well, especially because um, you're such a huge fan. I think you're a huge fan of 500 Days of Summer, and Annie Hall does 500 Days of Summer, but better and earlier. And I, I think it's just a better movie for it. You know, hmm. interesting. Yeah, we shall see. We shall yeah. see. Um, you can uh, follow us on Twitter. Um, I'm twitter.com/slash Scott Corelli, and I'm twitter.com/slash Gungadin. You can find me every week at classicalgallifrey.blogspot.com, where we review classic stories. Uh, last week, Cassandra had a really great review of Battlefield and a nice tribute to Nicholas Courtney. Uh, this week, uh, we're actually. <laughs> Oh my god, I can't believe I'm admitting this, but uh, we started Classical Gallifrey a year ago, uh, last March, so we're actually doing a huge month of really, really excellent and important and great stories. Um, The first one for this week, uh, this week we're talking about The Ark in Space, which is a Tom Baker story, and really... Phenomenal. Phenomenal story. I was just watching it again, and I was like, wow, this, this story, like, right out of the gate, is just... Really, really excellent. Um, so we're talking about Ark in Space this week. So if you have seen Ark in Space or haven't seen Ark in Space, but you want to go see it, it's actually on Netflix Instant. I recommend it. Um, yeah, it, yeah, I do too. Really good it's stuff. Really, really good. Um, you can, you can of course find me geekshowentertainment.com. I write articles and stuff. Uh, plan on doing more very soon. Me Just too. Me too. Me too. It's coming. It's coming. I promise. Soon okay. Finish the blog. I'm writing it. <laughs> very good, very good. Um, and then, of course, uh, go so go to the website, check those out, uh, email the show, tdc at geekshow.us, and uh, leave us iTunes reviews, because that helps. Mm-hmm. All right, guys, uh, we will see you next week with the end of the world. Looking forward to it. See you guys. Yay, bye. Bye. <laughs>